All right, welcome to Film Yak, our weekly podcast for movie discussions. I'm Jordan. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And this is sadly my last cast. The last hurrah. I bid you farewell. Adieu. 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 Farewell. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun ten episodes, but I'm bowing out, and uh, we're thinking what John Anderson might be taking over. So possibly, possibly, he was to on. Confirm yet? Yeah, I don't want to confirm. But he yeah. was on the Point Break episode. If you enjoyed that one, have more lively banter between the Jonathans. So stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, today we're doing our deep dive on Princess Mononoke, the animated film from 1997, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. And we'll also be talking about what we watched and answering some feedback. So uh, before we move on, big big shout out to Big John here. He's uh, a newly anointed papa, or confirmed papa, mm-hmm. to be, papa to be. So congrats. Thank you. So, John, what's the first movie that you're going to sit your kid down to watch? I don't talk about that shit. I don't know. <laughs> you're not going to do that? No. My kid will watch uh, probably a uh, Toy Veggie Story. Tales. I don't know. Yeah, really, yeah. Probably yeah, worse than that, right? It's a Barney. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do kids watch? Um, I'm not, I'm not one of these time? people who's going to dress up my kid in, like, you know, Herzog <laughs> shirts and like, punk, show them punk rock documentaries because I want them to be into what I'm into. They're going to be their own human being. Yeah, a unique individual do whatever they want. Right. Just be prepared, prepared for lots of Nick Jr., Paw Patrol. Yeah, we don't have Tiger. that channel, so that'd be our. That's fine. We don't have TV, so I don't know what they're gonna do. We'll just watch uh, movies mm-hmm. nonstop, probably. probably kid movies. We have all the Disney films, so there you go. Mm. Go to the library. Mm. We'll see. Children's say. Yeah. They won't be of age to watch anything like that for a while, so yeah, they're not gonna be born until April. That's true. So. And Kevin just celebrated uh, his brother being married. Yeah. So, congrats. And speaking of John Anderson, he was at the wedding. Oh, cool. He sent me a picture of you from the wedding. Oh, he did. uh, And he said everybody was speaking Cajun French. Cajun French. That's what he said. He said people there were speaking Cajun French, and it was. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, the uh, the wedding itself was in um, Donaldsonville. Oh, Oh, okay. Did he know uh, your brother or Bliss? Uh, Allison is his supervisor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Allison is Blake's supervisor. Yes, yes. That's right. Good deal. Yeah. Over at the Jones Creek Library. That's right. Um, since we were talking about Princess Mononoke later today, I figured it'd be important to note that uh, they're having Studio Ghibli Fest at the Perkins Row Theater ongoing, and tonight they're showing... Uh, Spirited Away. That's in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, of course, mm. if you're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You going? Uh, probably not. But some co- <laughs> some co-workers of ours are going. Okay. So, okay. Are, yeah. you go- are you going to see Loving Vincent next week? I'm going to try. Okay. Yeah. Cool. There's cool. also a concert the day beforehand that, I'm, uh, that me and Karis would plan on going to, so ah. the way all that. Okay. But yeah, I really like to go. Cradle of Filth or... Who's the band? Oh, yeah. Cradle of Filth, man. Yeah. Hard, long-time fan. Yeah. Good stuff. I know it sounds really <laughs> depressing, but it's actually very uplifting. <laughs> what is that from? Uh, the IT crowd. Uh, or, yeah. or the IT crowd. The IT crowd. That's another controversial funny, topic, whether fun. it's IT or IT. It's IT. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. 
It's about not an in I- my mind. It's but, an IT team, but I've British. I've comedy. heard it's weird. It's a play on the term "it crowd," but it's yes, IT. Yes, yeah. It's the joke of maybe because the there's no dots. I suppose. I Big problem with their logo. It's capitalized. There. Yeah, that is true. So, show sucks anyway. Let's move on. It's <laughs> pretty funny sometimes. I'd have to watch it. It's again. It's not something like I need to sit down and watch. Like I don't know, I can't watch a whole lot of it. I'm just kind of get bored. Also, neither of you guys are ve- or that into That's British true. comedy in the first place. Not into place, British so. comedy at all in the first That's place. Kevin's thing. Don't like it at all. Kevin does that for us. Watches yes. those things. All right, oh, so uh, like a human being. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about what <laughs> we watched. Unless you'll have any other. Let's talk about banter. the uh, <clears throat> Phantom Thread trailer, probably. Oh yeah, it's uh, out. Out and people are talking about it. And Kevin doesn't know what it is, but we're, we're going to tell him about it. So he the can name sounds up. familiar, but I haven't, <laughs> seen, I haven't seen the trailer. It's the new Paul Thomas Anderson film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Featuring Daniel Day Lewis and his That's last. That's why. Oh, right, right, he right. He hates Paul Thomas Anderson. So oh, that's he's, right. You hate he's Paul not. Anderson. He's not into that at all. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So the trailer's out. It looks. I don't know. Looks all right. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm looks just, okay. It looks like all right. It'll probably be good, but who knows, you know? Yeah, I'm sure it'll be decent. I don't know, it just doesn't look like anything that I'm really interested in, like, plot-wise. I'm just like, okay, the guy's, like, a designer. I agree. But, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. the only thing that's really interesting about it is, like, Paul Thomas Anderson directed it, and it's Daniel Day-Lewis' last film. Well, I thought the score in the trailer was really nice. But, like, one of our... uh, It's really pretty. Yeah. One of our Facebook friends was talking about, like, cinematography and, like, how... (laughs) He's gonna win the Oscar for this, and this looks amazing. He and can't stuff. win the Oscar. Like he's not. Uh, he can't be nominated. He's not credited as a cinematographer. He's not credited. No. Oh well, there goes that. So, but Brad, to, sorry, Brad, sorry, sorry Brad. bro. But my point was like, do your research, bro. Like he was, <laughs> he was talking about how amazing it looked from the trailer. I was just like, it just looks like. A I think it looks pretty good. No, I don't uh, agree. I think it looks pretty good. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it looks like mind blowing, but I think it looks extremely well made. I don't know. It just looks really like is normal. Like, like it just doesn't look else, like it has. It's else no stage. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Jordan. No, that's oh. for sure. No, it's not. Jesus Christ, that's, that it you're is definitely not. You're right. It's not made in the computer, so it doesn't look good. I guess. I don't think most of Blade Runner uh, was made in. Computer, oh, okay, sure, sure. They used. Uh, we should look minimal. up how many VFX shots are in that movie. I'm I sure it's over a two thousand. Well, for that kind of movie, I mean, oh, obviously. But I'm saying the computer, they, use, they use minimal amount of CG. <laughs> no, they did not. I, That's a joke. Far, minimal? As, as minimal What's as What's minimal for you? Minimal for me is like <laughs> what they did in Zodiac. That's minimal CG. Tasteful CG. I mean, again, a sci-fi I movie, any sci-fi movie does not use minimal CG. Like, well, there you go. It's a sci-fi movie. So? So minimal for a sci-fi film. I guess. But like, That's you know, ridiculous. they built like they built the sets. They didn't just use like all CG backdrops. You think they built thing. the city? What which like city? Like models? Which city? Which city? <laughs> like Los Angeles? Like they no, like, like, use models not like, look, like Star Wars? 77? No, but they built like actual sets like when there's sure. ground shots, what? not like aerial stuff or whatever. <laughs> what what movie doesn't build sets? I don't know, whatever. It's not Attack of the Clones, I grant you that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where did we go? All, we were talking about Phantom Thread. Um, okay, well, Phantom Thread looks fine to me. We'll see. It opens yeah. in limited release on Christmas, so we won't be able to see it till January. Uh, I just think the cinematography looks kind of boring, but whatever. <laughs> the cinematography you guys your looks boring? Yeah. <laughs> it just looks average, like whatever. 
Just more, I agree. It looks. Just I don't think it looks better than average. I don't know. Maybe better, but not like what I would expect. I mean, I'm not like, like can you really gauge it from trailer, you, like your yeah, laptop again, screen or your mobile device? Yeah, I watched and, it on my trailer, plasma television, like, but I don't know. It's two minutes. <laughs> well, you're different. Of the film, looks great. So, so <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's the edge. Needs some plasma behind it. Mm. So, I don't know. Uh, it's all this is just your ridiculous deacons worship where it's, that's it's right. not shot by deacon so it oh, looks that's like right. Shit, right yeah that's yeah. exactly <laughs> it no but really it's like all thomas anderson's behind the you know he's the cinematographer for this but then i'm like i'm watching it i'm really thinking like uh maybe he should have got like an actual dp to do this because it just <laughs> i think it, it looks doesn't look fine i think it I looks every know. bit as good as the master or there will be blood even mm. it looks very similar to those films to me Mm. Not to me, but I guess I'm wrong. Not to me. <laughs> Anything else we need to talk about? No, I don't think so. All right. Yeah. Kevin, you want to start us off with what you watched recently? Sure. Uh, let's see. Last week I watched Sicario. All right. Deacons. Right there. <laughs> John's rolling yeah. his eyes like, oh my God. Yeah, nice. whatever. Um yeah, I thought I thought that was a really good movie. Uh really really good action sequences. Uh and I also thought it was really great to have Benicio del Toro like so in traffic, Benicio del Toro plays, you know, just um Mexican cop who's like, you know, young guy. He's only sort of starting to get into like the whole kind of you know, drug thing that's going on down there. But in this one, he's this grizzled veteran who has, you know, been everywhere and seen it all. And he's, you know, lost his wife and his daughter to the drug war. And so I thought that was a really good casting. I love the scene at the at the table at the end when he uh, has oh, yeah. a gunpoint and how that ends. That's pretty yeah, that was fantastic. Awesome. That is brutal. Yeah, uh, any other it's word to awesome. describe that? Yeah, yeah, and the um, but the night yeah, pretty tunnel much. scene. Yeah, right that one. That. Yeah, all that stuff's good too. The night vision, uh, all the stuff that's shot with like night vision. Yeah, is really good. Yeah, great, and, uh, great uh, cinematography there. It is choice, but easily Deacon's. easily Deacon's best shot movie. Mm, I would agree. It looks so. really great. Yeah, and um. How do you feel about Emily Blunt? Because my wife hates Emily Blunt. In this I didn't movie. think she was bad, but I wouldn't say she was good either. I, I mean, she, she was, was just kind of there. I, I think she's really good. I now. thought she was really good. I like. I her thought a she lot. really I, pulled up the whole thing off, and it's shocking because you watch her, and she's not. She's really skinny in it, and everything. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. very feminine, but like she still is uh, pretty. Uh, you know, pretty badass. I think that kind of mm-hmm. threw me off Chick. in the beginning, where it's like she is very feminine, very like model like, but she's supposed to be like this grizzled like fbi agent but the more mm. i got into it that kind of started to fade and i really believed her character yeah like that scene where uh she takes the guy back to her apartment and then he yeah. like <laughs> tries to mug her you know like yeah tries kill, to her. Kill, kill her pretty and, much uh, yeah yeah um, that was and then like how she's really like <clears throat> shaking and shaken up after that that was really good yeah um i probably need to watch it again to get a better you know sense of of her like for me, when I was watching the movie, I was more paying attention to Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin. Like those seem to be the more interesting characters, even though she's like Emily much Blunt is kind of the one that yeah. you know we're you know she's holding our hand through the movie. But like the other characters, I thought were I don't know if it's just the story itself or maybe like the experience of the actors because uh, Josh Brolin was amazing. 
Like he got he's that really role terrific. so yeah. well. Yeah. Well, they're and, they're definitely more like enigmatic characters than her because she's yeah, just kind yeah. of like the novice coming into like unknown territory, like out of her element, and you're just yeah. wondering like what like how far do these guys go like you know what side are they on yeah and then yeah um yeah it'll i'll definitely watch it again at some point (laughs) it's good you should rewatch it what'd you give it four yeah so you should rewatch it you gotta pump it up to a five because it's a five you know (laughs) because that roger deacon's uh night vision work well i mean that's part of it okay Those aerial great, shots. It's a great film. The just, aerial yeah, shots yeah. in the beginning and the score. Yeah. The score is really amazing. The score is great. Very ominous. Yeah. Hmm. Again, I'd have to watch remember. it again to like... Oh my God. I just wasn't paying that, that much attention joke. to it. <laughs> then why did you even watch it? Really? Just go to, to bed. To the score. <laughs> I know. Just messing with you. Oh, no. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did you got? Tom? I watched uh, Fright Night... Directed by Tom Holland from 1985 for the first time. Uh, did a uh, horror triple feature mm. on Saturday well, with my wife. And uh, this was the first one we watched because they just added it to Hulu. and never seen it. Wanted to see it. Starts Chris Sarandon as a uh, vampire who moves in next door to a kid. And the kid... Uh, little bit of a rear window situation like he Mm. sees the vampire doing things and he discovers he's a vampire and he tries to tell people and people don't believe him and uh he ends up like sneaking over into his house and trying to uh kill him with the help of uh roddy mcdowell who plays peter vincent who's like this uh b movie actor who used to play a vampire slayer in a bunch of movies in the 60s and uh so they like team up and they try to kill him. It's pretty good. It's pretty. It's it's like uh, it's like partially comic, uh-huh. and uh, it's pretty funny at points. And it's got some pretty goofy uh, segments that are a lot of fun. Uh, uh, what's her face? Amanda Bierce is in this. Uh, she was uh, the next door neighbor's wife on Married with Children. No, anybody. The next door neighbor's wife. Yeah. Anyway, she's a. Uh, Never watched Married with I think Children, she's like so. directing television now, but the, back then she was like a 25 year old, and she plays the uh, main character's girlfriend, and mm. she gets transformed into a vampire, and they have to fight and stuff. It's pretty good. Just really made me want to watch Lost Boys more than anything, mm. but uh, couldn't watch Lost Boys because my wife hates it. What? So I have Come to uh, find time to watch that on my own. I'm going to have to side with Nicole on that one. Well, you and Nicole are wrong on that one. That's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. I'm down with Uh, some Lost Boys. You're wrong about the score on Sicario, so you're wrong about this too. It's double, 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 double whammy. That's the score in Sicario, by the way. No, that's the score in Blade Runner. That is part of it. uh, Both Denis Villeneuve movies. So Not the same uh, composer, though. No. uh, Anyways, Fright Night is good. Uh, you know, if you have the means, check it out. It's on, uh, it's on Blu-ray from Twilight Time. If you want to spend two or three hundred dollars on a out of print, oh, uh, thanks. Blu-ray, I'm good. Mm. Otherwise, it's on Hulu for free. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna watch do? it there? Yeah, that's it. I was actually thinking about Lost Boys uh, last night. I started watching the new Stranger Things uh, season two. Yeah. Mm. Only got through uh, two episodes so far, so I don't have a whole lot to talk about. But uh, 
definitely so you know lots more 80s pop culture and movie references and uh yeah. made me want to go back and watch lost boys i, I thought i like lost boys um sean was sean Aston in lost boys no no uh, Corey Haim, Corey, Corey, Corey Feldman, Jason Patrick. What like what, and Kiefer Sutherland, Kiefer yeah, Sutherland. and Jamie Gertz. Yeah, for sure. And what like uh, what horror movie from the eighties <laughs> was Sean Astin in? Encino Man. That's that's the nineties, <laughs> and that's not a horror movie. <laughs> well, well, uh, Lord uh, well, of the Rings, well, horrific movie. So that's the, again, not the eighties. <laughs> Was he in any eighties horror? Movies? Well, he was in the Goonies, but I don't yeah, remember. Go- I don't remember Goonies, anything else big really that he was in. Not a horror movie, really. I mean, either way, yeah, he's, he's in a- Toy Soldiers. Great action picture. Uh. Yeah, I guess he's maybe he's not in any horror movies from the eighties. You think thinking of well, Corey Haim? I'm thinking of Corey Haim, who also okay. also like Corey Haim and Corey Feldman a lot. But uh, yeah, he's in uh, so far the first two episodes, uh, playing Bob the Brain. Uh, yep. Winona Ryder's love interest, and uh, I don't know. It's fun, you know. It's it's fun to see him Sheesh. in there. Can't do it acting. <laughs> Did you watch the first? Oh God, first no. season. Yeah, <laughs> I thought about you though, and your how you were talking about uh, super dark times, and like mm. you know the uh, the opposite of this. Show. The opposite of this, pretty much, where like you're not into pop culture references, and like I can see that critique of this, especially you know, there's like overt references like this is 84 there's uh reagan and bush signs in this person's yard and they you know they like make that actually wouldn't bother me what bothers me is like when the kids are like dressed up like ghostbusters for halloween and they're like yeah they're they're uh, dressed into, up like, ghostbusters. like the music of the it's just a go- it's just so stupid it's just it's just cheap it's like hey you know if we can make this show and nobody will watch it but if we set it in the 80s Suddenly, everybody's interested because well, it's got that built-in nostalgia factor. Yeah, and everybody yeah. loves the '80s, and, and it's I'm fine so with quirky that, and like, retarded. And yeah. let's just put it in there. I'm good with that. You just know what? You for can like, just shut up right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. I can again. I, there's the question of like, okay, why? Why does this need to be set in the '80s other than like the nostalgia factor? It's because they need to reference Amblin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to reference all these 80s movies. But, Kevin's I mean, obviously a closeted lover of Stranger Things. He's never mentioned it once on the show. Uh, I was about to when <laughs> I was given I, Mike um, again. Yeah, yeah. I really like I just finished the second season yesterday at 2.30 in the morning. Great. So, so you yeah. can explain to us why does the show need to be set in the 80s? Why not? Um, why, why is the that? The floor is yours, Kevin. Go ahead. Why is that such a big deal to you? Why why is nostalgia such a bad thing? Like they're kids. Ghostbusters would have been big at the time. Of course they're going to dress up in the costumes. Nostalgia is not bad inherently. Nostalgia is bad when it's used to monetize uh, an otherwise boring property. If this show were set in present day, it would be well, just Well, you as haven't good. even seen it. So how can you make a value judgment on whether the property is good or not? Fair enough. However, however, He's getting really upset he's here. Getting upset. <laughs> yeah, he's really uh, however, into this. however, however, uh, if the show were set in 2017, it would be good, just as good. Yeah, just as good. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> like I, I like, think most people would disagree. Like would say, I like no, it's not. Wouldn't be just as good. I like the fact that you know there's nostalgia thrown in. There's these throwbacks and stuff. Well, that's the thing. It's like, a well, it's a different. You know, like. It's a different, you know, it's, yeah, it's the opposite of Super Dark Times, which you might look at with, like, a more critical eye or whatever, but, you know, this is, like, a fun show, but it's well done, you know? I don't think people look at it like it's a fun show, though. I think they look at it like this is high art. 
I mean, everything I read about it is how how amazingly brilliant it is. I don't as like, if it's like House of Cards Part Two, and I mean, I hate House of Cards know. too, but I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like go so far as to call it high art. I think it's well done, like for what it is. Kevin loves you know? House of Cards. Also, I just hit another. Hit another. <laughs> no, I. I didn't, even, I didn't even finish the second. The, the second episode of House of Cards. Oh, okay, good. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I never. Say. I never even yeah, started I mean, watching it. No, I, mean, I don't know, but it, yeah, I wouldn't call it so far as high art. But I do think it's well done for what it what it is. You know, it's like a. I would expect a it to throwback. be well done. I mean, being yeah. that it's a Netflix show, I mean they yeah. they produce good shows, but yeah. uh, or well made shows. But it's a well made show. It's it's compelling. You know, it's I'm not gonna. I mean, I I agree 100. Well percent I haven't seen it. I'm not gonna like down it as like a. I just it looks like shit to me. That's all. It's just from like what I've seen of it. The trailers that no, does nothing for me. And I and I do hate the nostalgia aspect of it just because it reminds me of other things that are like that. Uh, other shows. I mean, it just reminds me of like I love the 80s on VH1 when I was in <laughs> high school. You know, it's like. This show is about absolutely nothing. It's just all is like circle jerk of like, hey, remember this? Hey, remember that? It's well, just like, who cares? Like, there's like, I have to say, there's a lot of homage like in both seasons so far, but it's not like over the, it's not over the top where they're like hitting you over the head with it. I feel like it's done like tastefully and it's incorporated like into the plot. Like it has its own story and its own characters and it's very mm. unique in that sense. But there are like, images or different like elements where you're like oh that's obviously a reference to this and you know that's entertaining that's fun to like go and see like oh what was that a reference to you know again maybe not high art but it's to me it's well done it's enjoyable i think the acting is really great the kid the kids so far in season two are yeah, really I mean, great. The acting, the writing. Yeah, the writing is really good. The score is really good with all the synthesizers score and stuff. And like the thing with Stranger Things is like too many people like like Mostly thanks to BuzzFeed and, you know, everything else on the internet, they latch on to this nostalgia factor. And because of that, that's all that's like that what people it talk about. In people's it's a, minds. Yeah, it's a talking yeah. point. It's what people but go to at the water cooler. I agree, but you can't deny that the show is responsible for that. It's not like they oh, yeah. don't want you to talk about that. That's the main thing they're pushing. You just talked about the synthesized score. Like, the reason that score is in there is because they're trying to accomplish this, like, John Carpenter throwback. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's, that's what, what they're, they're doing. doing. That's what they're doing. But, I mean, again, but what's the show wrong with that? is well written. It's well directed. It's well acted. There I believe is you good, think that. There's I'm good just, suspense. There I, is right. good stuff that's going on in the show aside from the nostalgia factor. I'm sure that you believe that. And I, like, I'm not going to say I agree because I don't know. But I'm saying, like, I'm sure that you think that that is true. But that's the my point is that the, the makers of the show, including Netflix, are not pushing it like this is a good show. They're pushing it like, hey, guys, look at all the 80s stuff we pumped into here. Mm-hmm. How cool is this? That's why the very first photo they released for season two was literally a still of the kids dressed up as Ghostbusters. Yeah. I like, mean, that's what they want you to go. They would want you to watch it and because it's a, you can look at all the references. If you think about it, it's a very clever marketing tactic because I don't you think know, it's clever personally. I think well, it's, cheap it's effective. And lame. <laughs> Maybe not. It is effective. effective. Yeah, it's effective because Americans are retarded. Well, I'm saying it's not effect- you, Kevin. You like the show because outside of the references, but I'm saying like well, you know, the people who are just watching. I'm for saying the marketing is effective because you think about it, like millennials who are now turning thirty. Like, that's all stuff they grew up with or, you know, that mm-hmm. was handed down to them. I agree. Isn't and that so, gross, though? Don't you, aren't you, like, a little bit sickened by the idea that they're, like, they manufactured this show using marketing? Like, you, literally, it's a show developed with And I know that the creators of it wrote it before Netflix and everything, and they had this idea, and that's fine. And that's the part you're talking about, the writing and the story and everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying it's been it's been co-opted into this, like, 
machine of nostalgia so that we can get people to watch it. Yeah. It's like it's like I was watching uh, – I follow this guy on Facebook who does like prank videos. And every single one of his videos starts with a picture of his girlfriend in the bikini. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend in the bikini is not in any of the videos. just a picture. No, and right, it's like right. it literally exists so that you'll stop and watch the video. Yeah. Right? It's like that. It's like, it's like wait, wait, watch this. Oh, wait, here's something you'll get else, into yeah. the story, but the first thing we're going to draw you in with that nostalgia because we know yeah. you can't help it. You got you love Ghostbusters. You love John Carpenter. You remember all this shit from when you were eight years old. You got to have it, and that's what bothers me about it. I but can again haven't seen it. Not planning on watching it ever. Uh, for a split second while we were talking, I was thinking, now you're going to force me to watch this thing. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. And I can totally understand where you're coming from. Like the. I don't know, feeling repulsed by the machine, like, you know, the machine taking your nostalgia in your childhood and being like, let's make some money. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, I can, I totally get that point. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Kevin. It's a well done show. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's like a lot of things, it's, you know, obviously with marketing, like, even, you know, the most obscure thing, they have to find some little thing that they can put on a poster and, get people in so that they can hopefully recoup the money that they've invested. I agree that they want to do that. I'm saying that they, the, I, I disagree that they need to do that, though. They don't need to do that. Mm. They want to do it in order to, like you said, recoup their investment, but they don't need to do They don't. Do you think uh, Stranger Things would be as successful if they didn't do that? If they didn't pump it full of nostalgia? No, yeah. I'm with you. I think it would be a terrible show. Probably I don't think anybody would be watching it. I think it would have not made it to the second season if they didn't have Then obviously, from on. a business point of view, they need to do that, right? Yes, I agree. From the money <clears throat> standpoint, like what Kevin was saying, right? They <laughs> want to make back their money. But, I mean, it's like, it's like look at, I mean, it's like what, you, what we need now in order to make good art. I mean, unless you consider Stranger Things good art, and then, you know, this point is moot. But it's like, look at, look at Phantom Thread. We were just talking about Phantom Thread. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson has a patron at this point, you know. Uh, Megan Ellison writes him a check, and he makes a movie. And they're clearly not pushing anything. I mean, that movie looks, I guarantee 99% of the, of, of the American public thinks that looks like a boring, boring time at the movies. My wife thinks Myself it looks horribly included. boring. I don't think it looks that interesting, right? We're, yeah. we're, I'm a huge fan of Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. and I'm going to have to force myself yeah. to go see this thing. But I mean, he's got no ulterior. He can just do whatever agenda. he wants, yeah, he's just, and he's just—he's uh, that's like more like uh, when we talk about pure cinema. A few episodes back, I guess that would be like the closest thing to it. It's just like this pure artistic vision. Yeah. He wanted to make something, and he's able to do it because he has this, like I said, like a patron, somebody who just yeah. write him a check. You know, it's pretty sweet. So that's 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 what we that's what I that's the kind of stuff I you know I, that's the what pure, we need the pure motive you know no like business uh, although I will say I mean Netflix marketing and stuff I don't yeah. I don't I'm not a fan of Stranger Things I've never seen it. I don't want to see it but Netflix all, all many of their other shows are phenomenal and I'm going to talk about two of them and what we watch so I mean uh, right. I, I okay. really really like uh, Netflix and I think they're doing probably the best TV right now. All right. Well, that's all I got for Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> Kevin, what, what else have you been watching? Uh, let's see. Continuing on the Nicholas Winding Refn kick, um, watched The Neon Demon the other day, which... 213. Gotta be seen. 
<laughs> Remember? Did you hear Keanu that? Keanu Reeves he's is the amazing. Best. He's the best. He is Keanu, so good. He is Keanu so Reeves is in that? He plays the uh, super for the apartment complex. <laughs> yeah. He's he the sleaziest is, guy in the world. Yeah. And, like, and you can tell, too, like he knows how sleazy he's being, and he's just leaning into it's it as much best. as he possibly can. That was he's my favorite part of the whole movie. Every you second mean, like, of him it. as an actor, he's loving that opportunity to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... Yeah, because, like, most of the Keanu Reeves, you know, he's kind of been pigeonholed as, like, whoa. And or, you know, well, like, like very, action, very guy. Yeah. action straight Well, like an action yeah. guy, but also, like, very stoic at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Very stoic. Yeah, so, him, so for him to, like, you know, like, you know, yeah, like, <laughs> just pushing around a 16-year-old girl when a mountain lion is in her hotel room, like, okay. like you're paying for the damages. <laughs> <laughs> he's great yeah he's great and uh jenna malone i think is an actress who does not get anywhere near the credit that she deserves as an actress she's a good actress. yeah she's amazing in this um yeah she's fantastic how do you feel about the necrophilia scene interesting love it uh, love it yeah love me some necrophilia <laughs> it was a great scene it was amazing wow <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's yeah, it's like, you know, like, like you think of it like, okay, necrophilia, you're, you're, you know, your, inst- your instant instinct would be to like, oh, I don't want to watch this. But like, when, when you're watching the scene, it's like, you can't look away. It's a little we, sexy. It's, wow. Yeah. It's like, Is wow. that what you're saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, are we talking about like a corpse here? Like a, she rapes a female corpse. And how long is is this a decomposed? It's about 10, 10 or twelve minute long scene, I guess. I'd uh, say maybe. No, I'm talking about how long yeah. has this corpse been? De- this person? Oh, been it's dead? Uh, I don't know. A Fairly while. fresh. It's, blue, it's like blue. Okay. Yeah, she she like it's on an autopsy. We're not table. talking about like yeah, it's she been like, autopsy. Okay, so wow. yeah, like uh, yeah, she like moonlights at uh, you know, Undertaker's doing like the uh, the makeup. And why is she having sex with a corpse? That's a great question, Kevin. That is a good question. It's been a while since I've seen. I've seen this theater, so. Um, let's see. I According to the Wikipedia page, when uh, <laughs> when she gets naked, apparently she has occult tattoos, which I'm like, okay, whatever. So basically, the movie doesn't explain why. Well, she no, does. The movie give, doesn't. She explain. does give birth to some type of bloodbath later, right? Yeah. yeah, she gives birth to a bloodbath. Yeah, like she blood starts pouring out of her uh, undercarriage. Yeah, okay. and like, um, well, I don't know. Like the um, it is blood, right? Yeah, it's blood, but yeah. but at the same time, it's like. So she and these two models end up eating a girl and like the girl like uh like so I don't know if it's just Jenna it's Malone about- is like doing like if if this is some kind of like actual like exorcistic or ritual kind of thing. I think the whole thing is, I mean, obviously the whole movie is like a metaphor for like youth and beauty and like the idea that, you know, you go to Hollywood and they like suck you dry and they eat you alive literally. Uh, you yeah, know. I mean the whole—that's what the movie is. That's getting where the at, eating people comes in. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, they're literally, yeah. uh, like at the end, they the the one girl swallows the eyeball or whatever. It's like, well, like uh, one, like the one girl ridiculous. regurgitates the it's eyeball fantastic. because apparently, what uh, apparently what's her face is like I don't know, like reacting with her body or something. L. L. Fanning. Yeah, L. Fan L. Fanning's body is re- I guess reacting to this other model's body. Yeah. She's like you know, I need to get her like out of scissors me. involved too. I, it's been a long time. Uh, I feel like somebody takes scissors to themselves or somebody else. I think so. 
Maybe it sounds stranger and stranger there, as you talk about. There was a lot to take in in yeah. in like that last five minutes of the movie. There's a lot to take in. It reminded me of uh, Antichrist um, a little bit. Have you seen Antichrist? No. Um, Lars von Trier. It's, no. It's similar to that. Well, parts of it are similar to that in that okay. just like the mutilation and the, some of the violence is uh, kind of similar. Yeah. I'd say. Also, another guy who's kind of flying under the radar, Desmond Harrington. I see. I don't. I, I'm not with you there. Uh, but only I liked him in this movie. But right, right. He's, but he he's in um, he's in the Messenger, and he was in Dexter what, for a couple what is of seasons. The messenger? The, uh, Joan of your Arc. favorite Joan of Arc? Oh movie? yeah, yeah. He's the yeah he's the page, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't like him in that, and I hate him in Dexter. Well, <laughs> you're supposed to hate him in Dexter. No, but I mean, I hate his acting. He's the worst in Dexter. He's awful. And he's like, but maybe he, he's that good. He's, of an weir- actor. he's weird because he like fluctuates. Like he's really skinny right now, but in Dexter, he's like a fat tub. It's really bizarre. Like he gains weight and loses weight. You don't notice this? I wouldn't say that he was a fat tub. He was in a Dexter. fat tub in Dexter. In a couple of seasons there, he was huge. Rewatch it. Well, don't rewatch it because it's horrible. But I, well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, especially like I think we can all agree on the way Dexter ended was absolutely horrible. The first two seasons are are fun. The rest of it's I can't get into anymore, and it's horrible. Uh, yeah, the, especially the last. Obviously, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. goes without uh, saying. I've never yeah, seen it. It's never terrible. been interested. Yeah, you can save yourself the time. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, I like Desmond Harrington in this a lot. I liked him. Yeah, I thought he would play played a really different character in this and a very uh, yeah. Dark, yeah. About darker than what he normally does. True. But yeah, give the movie a four. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. All right. I uh, continued my uh, triple feature, immediately went upstairs and got my uh, Halloween Blu-ray digibook and uh, put it in and pressed play. And it started, and it was great. Uh, haven't seen <laughs> Thanks Halloween. Thanks for that play-by-play. Play. <laughs> haven't seen Halloween in a while. Mm. Uh, John Carpenter film from 1978. Wow, uh, that's old. It's good. It's really good. Mm. But I will say it takes a long time to get where it's going. Yeah. How do you feel about Donald Pleasance in the movie? Because I've always been like... <laughs> I mean, it's like I want to like him, but he's just so like weirdly over the top, and like his eyes are glazed over like half the time. And it's I like, think he's really goofy, but I yeah. I like it though because I think it, I think some of his stuff is really it's like unintentionally funny. And yeah, it it's pretty entertaining, <laughs> right? And I like that he's so paranoid and just like mm. you know all over the place and just freaked out and like. And it almost seems like he keeps telling people about how he, you know Michael Myers is evil, and you've got oh my mm. god, we've got to kill him, we got to stop him, and like nobody believes him. And like for the first hour or so, I'm kind of on their side. I'm like, yeah, this guy's a nut job. Like I yeah. wouldn't believe him either. Just go arrest this guy. You yeah, know? I mean, you don't have to blow him away the first time you see him. But uh, then you know Michael Myers comes along, and you find out that he he can't be killed. You know, and he's uh, mm. superhuman in some way, and he's uh, yeah. taking bullets and hangers to the eye and knives to the throat and whatever, and he's just mm. surviving all of it and uh, killing babysitters in the process. And, I mean, yeah. What I will say about uh, I'll say like something really positive that I never noticed before was the. Uh, I mean, I've noticed the score before, mm-hmm. and John Carpenter, of course, did the score, very iconic score. Mm. And, uh, I mean, the th- I say the theme is very, very iconic. But, uh, like, the actual score in the film, like, mm. all of the, like, little flourishes and stuff while he's stalking them and stuff, it's all really good. And it's v- it really, really builds tension well. Like, there's a lot of, like, like, there'll be, like, this piano 
thing that's going like just like a like a line on piano and then all of a sudden there's this super high pitched synthesizer behind it mm. and it's just like really it's like dissonant and it really helps to build the tension and just like freak you out a little bit nice. and uh, I mean I've seen the movie a dozen times and it's still you know like there are still moments that are like are pretty jolting and uh, scary not scary on like a you know like a visceral level like where you're scared after you, you turn it off but just you know like jump scary almost mm. and uh Jamie Lee Curtis is fine in it, um, and uh, you know I like you know like I said Donald Pleasance is funny, <laughs> but I mean that's there's really just there's not like a whole lot to talk about with it because I mean it's really short and it takes like an hour and a half to get anywhere and then when it gets there it takes like ten minutes to end uh-huh. you know and it's just like he chases Jamie Lee Curtis around for a little while and then Donald Pleasance shoots him and that's the end and it's just kind of over and it's it leaves on a really good cliffhanger where he's not dead. But uh, unfortunately, you know, what that leads to is Halloween 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and 7, and H2O, and whatever, and those are all awful. So, um, Well, from what I understand, this new Halloween that's supposed yeah. to be coming out is like it's. David Gordon Green is going to direct it. Is the he new. directing oh. it? Oh, wow. <laughs> and John and Carpenter <laughs> says it's. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Yeah, John she's Carpenter back in said it. it's going it's to ignore all the sequels. Yeah, except, yeah. Just the first one. Just hmm. the first one. Okay. That's interesting. So that should be good. I mean, I, yeah. watched, uh, I watched the kill count videos for uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, and they looked ridiculous, yeah. so <laughs> I won't be watching those ever. Uh, like yeah. the kill count? Oh, just showing you the deaths. Just shows the kills. Yeah, like. <laughs> How many kills? <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. Probably a dozen per. But yeah. Michael Myers, it's just like really like over the top. Like Michael Myers like stomps people to death and stuff. And he's like played by this like linebacker, like eight foot tall. Oh, wow. That seems really yeah, not yeah. a character for Michael Myers to like stomp people. He was trying to change it, I think, yeah. you know, trying to make it his own kind of. But uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous looking. But the first, like I you know, this this first film is good. I gave I also gave it a four. Cool. All right. I've been uh, talked about it before on the show. I've been watching Cowboy Bebop on Hulu, mm-hmm. and I uh, finally finished the series over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, again, like we're talking about nostalgia, I mainly uh, went back and and watched it for the English dub to see how it held up. And I talked before about how uh, it didn't quite hold up for me. You know, memory was a little bit better than the actual thing. And uh, I'd still say it's a it's a good show. I enjoyed it. It was fun to watch. And uh, there's a there's a movie, Cowboy Bebop, the movie, which I'm interested in. Uh, you know, it's it's like good enough. It's not like great, but uh, it's good enough to keep me interested to like watch more. You know, I've already you know rewatched the movie again. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think overall, uh, just like the English dub didn't hold up for me, uh, the series as a whole. Not quite as good as I remember. It's it's still fun. Uh, it's very episodic, you know, where you just get lots of filler episodes, just kind of like their random excursions and hunting down bounties and stuff. And then you have a few episodes that really touch on building character and showing you like their back each character's backstory, which were you know a lot more interesting than just like the filler stuff. But uh, you know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's filler to say like, oh, you could just cut all that and it'd still be the same show because it it, it kind of does get across the point that they're just wandering aimlessly in space and going from one job to the next. Um, and you know, it, it, those are more like fun, just kind of slapstick episodes. Um, I had the experience where like I told y'all probably before, my wife really hates anime. She's like not into it mm. at all and like won't give it a chance. Mine too. Oh, <laughs> uh, yours too. Um, you ever had the experience where like 
you you have somebody like that who's like totally against something and then you happen to show them something like you're hoping maybe this will get them into it but then it ends up being like the worst possible movie or episode of no, that thing i've never tried i don't try to show her anything like that because i know she's gonna hate it no yeah what. she's just closed-minded about anime. yeah so. yeah and and I'm, i wasn't really actually like trying to get her into it but it's like we finished watching one thing and we're about to go to sleep i was like no nah, i'm gonna watch one episode of this and you know she just stuck around i guess just to see what was up ended up being like the wackiest goofiest episode of the series and she's just like what is going on i'm like oh boy this is like the wrong point to come into this thing you know um because you know it's cowboy bebop this episode's got this guy running around on a horse dressed up as a cowboy and he's one of like the so-called villains uh of the main character and she's like is that why it's called cowboy bebop i'm like no no he's just like a random character well why is it called cowboy Bebop? well cowboys are bounty hunters in space in the future you know she's just like i don't understand any of this this looks ridiculous i'm like yeah this is kind of a wacky episode you probably don't want to comment on this but um is it you know it's a good show a good it has a, a fun and intense climax too and uh i don't know Maybe I think it tries to be a little like too heavy or like philosophical um, towards the end with like some of the I don't I don't want to say but you know just some of the aspects of it of, of the writing I felt like were like uh, a little cheesy or just like a little over the top but mm. all in all it's it's pretty fun so I'd give it a watch if you're uh, if you've never seen it. What would you give the show a star rating out overall if you had to rate it? Out of five, probably like a four. Like three point five or four or something like that. Mm. So cool. All right, that's all I got mm. for that. Watched Bone Tomahawk. All right, that movie was way too long. Directed by S. Craig Zoller. That's right. <laughs> I just like for, your for first all the people. Well, it is. It's like two hours and ten minutes. It's it's way too long. This movie needed to be like an hour and a half max. Um, I don't remember it being overly long. Uh, well, I liked it quite a bit. Well, you gave it like a three and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is I mean, also, it's like a goofy, uh, like gory horror action movie. I mean, it's, yeah, it's fun. Though. Western. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Directed by the guy who did Cell Block ninety nine. Yeah, right? Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. I thought Richard Jenkins did a really good job because, like, most of the time he's you know kind of cast as like. The older guy who's kind of like hard bit and like sarcastic, but this one he's very much, um, you know, just the just the old guy who's just, you know, hard bit and sarcastic. No, like uh, <laughs> like not not very bright. Um, you know, just trying to get through. It's got uh, yeah. a good heart, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, I remember liking Kurt Russell a lot in it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like Kurt Russell? I didn't think he was. I don't. I didn't think he was especially good in this. I mean, but I mean, just to see Kurt Russell. When was the last movie you saw that had Kurt Russell in it? Uh, the Hateful Eight. Besides Tarantino films, which that movie came out after this movie anyway. But what what movie? I mean, seriously, like the guy's just just recently Guardians making, of the Galaxy Two again after um, this movie. This guy's just just now making a resurgence. You asked when was the last time <laughs> I had seen Kurt Russell? I didn't realize you didn't you were, ask for it in chronological order. I know I didn't realize you hadn't you hadn't seen these films when they came out. For God's sake, I mean, uh, you know, no, Bill Tomahawk's three years old. You know. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it's not one that like st- stood out when it came out. Like, oh, I need to see that. 
should have because it's got Kurt Russell in it. <laughs> and when this came out, Kurt Russell had done nothing since like Death Proof. Yeah, oh, okay. Death Proof so, was good with Kurt Russell in it. And then yeah. yes, he did The Hateful Eight, and he's good in that too. He's good in everything. I love him. Mm. I hate Marvel. I hate Guardians of the Galaxy. But I, I, I would. I'll go on YouTube and watch his scenes probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that great. Just to spoil for you. He's good. He'll be good in them. Yeah. Yeah. He's all right. But uh yeah, I mean um It's just that it's I'm trying too to long. think of the like I'm trying to think of the last thing I saw Matthew Fox in. It was probably Speed Racer. He was in uh he played the villain in, in uh the Alex 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 Perry? What is that guy's name? Tyler Perry movie, Alex Cross. Oh, I haven't I haven't seen any of Tyler Perry's movies. Tyler Perry he didn't direct Alex it, Cross. he just starred as Alex uh, Cross. Oh, okay, okay. The Morgan Freeman character from uh, Kiss the Girls. <laughs> right. And that's a weird. spider. That's the James Patterson. Yeah, the James thing. Patterson, Alex Cross. And Tyler Perry is the main, is Alex Cross. That's just. Well, it's like, uh, like how, Sounds like, weird. let's see, Harrison Ford, um, Alec Baldwin. Um, what about? Ben him? Affleck. Um, Tom Clancy has uh, an overarching character, Jack Ryan, and there have oh, been yeah, like yeah. a bajillion dudes who have played him. You so. know who's Jack Ryan now? Um, Tom Cruise? No, that's what's, Jack what's the guy? John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Last yeah. I'd heard it was, um, what's his, the guy who plays uh, oh, Captain Kirk Chris, in the news? Chris Pine was Chris him Pine. in the movie, yeah, yeah. but they're, they're coming yeah, out with a TV yeah. show, I think, on okay, Amazon okay. or something, and uh, John Krasinski's going to be him. I think I was thinking Interesting. Jack Reacher, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Jack Reacher was uh, Lee Childs, I want to say. Oh, okay. yeah. It's like all those top ten bestseller people yeah. that just get muddled in my brain. Pretty much. What else you got? So you you hated it. I gave it a 2.75. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah, for two-star Ted. It's, <clears throat> it's above like I ground. said, I liked Richard Jenkins. Are you done talking about that? Yeah. Okay. I uh, watched, rewatched uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, directed by Toby Hooper. Mm. Uh, Toby Hooper's first film, as far as I know. And uh, just, oh, it was playing at the theater. Mm. I was going to go see it at the theater, but it wasn't playing until like 9.30, so I was like, you know uh, what, let's just watch it on blue, because I've got it. And so, put it in, watched it with my wife. She did not like it. <laughs> she was very put off. The fact that she watched it in the first place. I know. Place, yeah. like, I was very happy, but I, I, I had forgotten uh, how kind of, uh, there's a lot of grotesque imagery in it. I mean, it's mm. not it's not that overly gory or anything. It's just that there's like a lot of like body parts and like uh, they make, you know, they make their furniture out of like bones of humans. And it's, just, uh, <laughs> it's just like a lot of weird stuff. And uh, it's pretty disturbing at points. And um she doesn't do well with some of that kind of stuff, but mm. I, I, I really, I really liked it a lot. I thought it was great and uh, really well directed for mm. a first timer, especially in '74 and such a low budget. I mean, there's just some incredible camera work in it, and um, just the ending, like the last, like maybe five minutes. Mm. Have you seen this? Right? No, actually, you haven't seen. This. You haven't seen. Wow, you got to see this thing. Yeah, uh, no, it's, I'm it's, just it's, surprised because you've like seen a lot of horror movies and you've been showing all the horror movies at the library and so. Well. You got to get into this one, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, no, I, I've been meaning it's to good. see it for a long time, but I just never got around to it for yeah, some I've, reason. I've never seen it. So. It's uh, like the last five Probably minutes won't. are pretty mind blowing. Uh, mm. Very, very disturbing. And uh, there's just like this. There's a scene 
right before those last five minutes happen, there's a scene in, inside of the, the, the house, the uh, family's house where you know, Leatherface lives and all these other people there, his family. Mm-hmm. And um, they've tied this girl up to this chair and she is just losing it because they she knows they're going to kill her. Like mm-hmm. they're talking about how they're going to kill her with each other, like very like matter of factly. They're kind of debating on who's going to do it and mm. what they're going to do with her after she's dead and stuff like that. And she's just freaking out so hard. It's like <laughs> it's pretty hard to watch because she's just like screaming at the top of her lungs, and then suddenly they just start cutting in like really really close to her eyes like like macro like her just her eyeball wow and it's just like moving all over the place like looking around it's just like really it's so creepy and uh very disturbing very difficult to, to deal with but uh mm. I, you know very masterful at uh you know creating that sense of anxiety in the audience i think so interesting really good really yeah. enjoyed it four and a half out of five cool I'm just not into that, man. I don't know. I just like I'm not a big horror movie fan. I'm not big into um watching stuff that just disturbs me. I'm not a big horror movie fan, but you know, it's yeah. Halloween, yeah. you gotta watch some horror movies, you know. I guess yeah. I guess so. Stranger Things is good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um you had assigned me Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. I did not watch it. I know you didn't. For that similar reason. I just uh, I, I watched it for you. You watched it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Um Pitiful. Yeah. I'm just I'm just not into stuff like you know, I've talked before about like my personal convictions and everything, but that's one you know just practical reason what like for what I choose to watch and everything. It's like I don't, I'm not into like just disturbing myself to watch a film. So I mean, that's that's cool if you guys are into that, <laughs> but uh, I'm just yeah, I'm not willing to put myself out there like. Well, that. all you got to do is watch. A bunch of them, and then you're really desensitized. Intense. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Jacob's Ladder didn't disturb me at all. Well, Kevin kept talking about how intense this film is. Well, yeah, and then, it like, is intense, it's, but it's an amazing movie. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure it's well done and everything, but I don't know. Uh, I, and then I started talking to my wife about it. And she's like, "Yeah, I saw that on like a top ten list of most disturbing movies ever." I was like, "Yeah, I don't mm, think it belongs on that list at all." Yeah, no, so. I wouldn't. It's like, not like it's you know a Serbian film or a philosophy yeah. of the knife or something. I mean, it's not like Solo. It's like a yeah. It's not it's like a psychological. It's like a psychological horror film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know it's about a guy losing his mind. That's all. But yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's quite good. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about it yet because he's going to go right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, I got one more, but I'll save it for later. Well, you if you want to go now, no, no, yeah, you got more so. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna lump a lump a bunch of them in here. So I've been rewatching all of Wes Anderson's movies, and so I've finished finished up all those. And go away. <laughs> Letter letterbox is being weird to me today. Doesn't like you apparently. Uh, so yeah, so my personal ranking for Wes Anderson's movies, starting at number one and going down. Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Darjeeling Limited, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Moonrise Kingdom, Rushmore, Bottle Rocket, and The Royal Tenenbaums. And one of the, the, one of the big things that I took away from rewatching all of these movies is that uh, Wes Anderson really knows how to put together a soundtrack. All the, like, the original score and the songs that he chooses... 
for his movies all fit really well. They all work very much for the emotional reaction that I think he's trying to get. And, and a couple of, a couple of my favorite quotes, one of, one of which from, um, life aquatic, don't point that gun at him. He's an unpaid intern. I don't know why. I just love that line. Like the fact that Bill Murray is like coming up to a guy with a with a shotgun, putting his hand putting his hand over the barrel, like, don't do that. He's an unpaid intern. <laughs> it's just fantastic. He's got a lot of good lines in uh, yeah, Life and, uh, Swamp leeches. Everyone check for swamp leeches. No one got hit? No one's I'm got the only hit? one. What's the deal? What's the deal? And, I just love his inflection there. What's the yeah. deal? And uh <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox like the the I got to talk about that one cuz that's my favorite one like the animation in that one is just so amazing. The fact that it's all done, you know, with uh stop motion is amazing. All the all the puppets, all the hair that moves and like all of the like just little movements like there's a scene where this uh Mole is playing this Art Tatum piece on the piano, and like his fingers are actually hitting the right notes. Um, yeah, of course, Wes Anderson, just, a man of detail, would yes, wouldn't do that. Yes, very, very much a man of detail. And uh, <laughs> and again, wonder again, wonderful quotes. Adrian Brody in the Grand Budapest Hotel, like he's sorting through some papers. He looks up and he sees that this painting is missing. What's the meaning of this shit? <laughs> it's funnier in context. John, have I you guess. seen Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if you had uh, approached it since. It's well, I know animated. he's not a big fan of Wes I've Anderson. I've seen everything like except Darjeeling Limited. I haven't oh, seen that, that's but. probably my least favorite, honestly. Darjeeling. Okay. <clears throat> but you know. Nothing. Apparently, uh, Royal Tenenbaums is your, is your yeah, least. I, it, I, I, just, I, got, I need to go back and rewatch it. It's I don't, been a long personally, time, I but. felt like it was kind of kind of more of a mishmash of like, okay, like I can see like, you know, he's trying to balance a lot more characters and a lot more narrative threads, and you know, like I still think it's good. I gave it a four out of five. Yeah. Um, but just the rest of them have so much more emotional impact for me. Oh, I see the emotional impact. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm not going to sit here and be subjective. (laughs) You kidding me? Well, I could see. Also, there is sort of a brain in the gut. Yeah. So I'm going to go with my gut. I can see how Royal Tenenbaums may be like. I don't. I don't know if I can see it actually because Darjeeling and Moonrise both for me just like fell flat. But again, I haven't seen Darjeeling but once and. Moonrise most recently, but I don't know. I just felt like it was empty. Like there wasn't a whole lot of emotional impact or substance for me there. Okay. But that's just me. I like Rushmore the best. Rushmore is good. And after that, I don't, they all kind of suck equally. (laughs) That's not true. I I like Royal Tenenbaums and I like, uh, I don't, I haven't seen Life Aquatic since the theater, but I remember Mm -hmm. liking it quite a bit when it just came out. Did you uh, not like Budapest? Uh, that's okay. I gave it a three and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I uh, have a funny story about watching the Grand Budapest Hotel, oh, yeah? and, uh, which is that I bought it for, I think, five ninety nine on Blu-ray. It was on wow. sale for that's... Black Friday, and I bought mm-hmm. it just because, you know, I was like, well, that's good. Six bucks, you know? Why not? Yeah. So I bought it and uh, went home and watched it. I had a day off at some point, and uh, 
I was home alone uh, at my apartment at the time where I was living with my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, and I was watching it on my television, and I got about maybe 45 minutes into it, and there was a, there was a, a pounding on the door, and I, I looked over, and I said, who, who in the world's at the door? And those, I hear the screaming, screaming outside, just yelling. Go up to the door, open the door, and it's pouring rain outside, too. Open the door, and what do I see but a Glock 40 just pointed right in my fucking face, and it's a police officer with his gun drawn, pointing it at me, screaming at me, anybody else in the house, uh, what's your name? I tell him my name, I tell him there's nobody else in the house, I'm putting my, he says, put your hands up, I'm putting my hands up, I don't want to get shot. Wow. Jesus. He says, well, we got a situation, you need to get your shoes on and come out immediately. I get my shoes, uh, I don't have time to put them on because this guy's got a gun, so I'm like, I'll just walk outside barefoot, even though it's raining, and he's like, uh, you need to go across the street to that officer. He points across the street. There's another cop with an assault rifle across the Holy street. Holy crap. I, he Pointed says, at you? No, no, no. Okay. He's, he's not pointing it at me. <laughs> and he, said, he says, go to that cop and, and then go where he tells you to go. So I'm running over there. I run over that cop. That cop says, go behind me. Go down the sidewalk. Go all the way to the end of the street and uh, you know, just wait there. And I'm like, all right. And I run uh, down the street, and uh, I see these people on their porch. uh, And I stop at those those people, and they tell me I can hang out under their porch because it's raining. Mm. And uh, I put my shoes on. I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, one of the guys is like, they said uh, there's uh, some guy in that apartment over there with a shotgun threatening to kill himself. It's my next-door neighbor. It's the guy literally on the other wall from me. And I'm thinking... You know, when I was watching Grand Budapest, I was getting a little pissed off because he was playing his TV so loud, and I could hear it through the wall. And I, he must have been doing it to, like, drown out something, or I don't know what he was doing, but he, apparently his girlfriend had left him, and he had a shotgun, and he was kill, threatening to kill himself, so they sent out, like, the ATF or the what, the SWAT team or whatever. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. And uh, they ended up tasing him and arresting him, like, three or four hours later. And I went back into my house and uh, finished Grand Budapest. Which thankfully had not burned into my beautiful sixty-inch Samsung plasma mm. uh, that was subsequently stolen from me, but uh, didn't <laughs> didn't ruin the TV. So just pressed play, kept watching it, so enjoyed the rest of my day. You had to be out of your house for like three or four hours. Yeah, it's like a good good three hours at least. Like just chilling on that had person's my phone, porch. Had my phone, texting people, taking pictures of the cops, sending them to people. Yeah, <laughs> Jonathan lived uh, like a block away, so I was telling him about it. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Damn. It was, it, was, it was a wild experience. Were you on that porch the whole time? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, with those people who live there. I don't know. Was, wow. Oh, and then uh, the, the the girl, the girlfriend of the guy came at one point. She shows up. She's freaking out because she's the one who <laughs> called the cops on him because uh-huh. he's starting to kill himself. He had a shotgun. Right. And uh, she's like asking. She's She's asking. I had to tell her what was going on. Essentially, I'm like, well, they got here and they were like, they're saying that they're going to go in and because they were telling, they were telling, they were talking within earshot of us and they were saying what they were going to do, like they're that if he doesn't come out, they're going to rush in there and like flash bang him and all this kind of shit like that. You know? <laughs> so like, so, so I was telling her all this and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I don't know what's going. On. This is what I heard, you know. And then she talked to the detectives and the police and whatever. And uh, like I say, eventually they 
as I understand, they tased him and uh, mm. arrested him. So why did they bust in your house with like guns drawn? I guess they stuff? just wanted to get. They should, you know, they don't like, know clear what the, the area in is. case. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows if I'm like in on it and we have like a hole cut in the wall? I don't know. Yeah. Hey, you, you don't yeah. know anything. Or if old boy yeah. tried to take you hostage. Yeah, you got to be safe. But yeah. I, I think it's a little much to point a gun at me. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. you can just have have the gun out, maybe. But like, you know, the point of that, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. What if it went off and you shot me in the face and I'm dead? You know, <laughs> right. like for nothing. For nothing. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it was pretty freaky because I never had a gun pointed at me before. Yeah, that would freak me out. But anyways, that's a huge detour. But I, I, Grandpa's house is all right. (laughs) (laughs) I like that it had action in it. I remember the uh, the prison sequence being really a lot of fun. Like yeah, yeah. escape and where that guy jumps down in the pit with the guards with a knife and he stabs them all. That was really cool. And then when the guy is like, they're trying to escape, they're trying to escape. And then the big dude beats him up. Oh, thank you, you sweet, kind man. <laughs> it was good. And I like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, solid, solid stuff. Um, uh, rewatch Jacob's Ladder because I uh, mm-hmm. knew Jordan wouldn't watch it. So uh, You knew I wouldn't watch it? Well, see, see, you, know, you got the senioritis. You're not going to do anything that you, you know for this yeah, podcast anymore. You're out. <laughs> Uh, I was wondering if you assigned it to me because you knew I wouldn't watch it. No, I, I, I assume I don't. I don't find it to be outside of the realm of your convictions or whatever. I mean, it's not. It's not that bad. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, it's not any worse than other things that you've watched recently. So, uh, but it, I mean, it is. It's trying to be disturbing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it is succeeding, but I like. The, but I think the imagery is interesting. Mm. And it is a lot of fun to look at, and uh, it's really cool and interesting. Just some of the techniques they use to like accomplish it, like the like everything is like on screen, so nothing's like post production effects or anything. It's all yeah. uh, in yeah. camera, and um, it's just really, really good movie. Really well made. Uh, Tim Robbins is awesome in it as mm-hmm. this uh, Vietnam veteran who's kind of losing his mind. Uh, may or may not be being chased by demons. Uh, mm. And uh, I like Elizabeth Pena a lot in it, too. I think yeah, Elizabeth she's Pena great. doesn't get a lot of credit, but she's great. The late Elizabeth Pena, mm. fantastic uh, in this movie. And, yeah, I just really enjoy... Oh, Danny Aiello, too. Oh, I'd yeah, yeah. Danny Aiello rules as Tim Robbins' chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was- <laughs> Who's got this weird, like, uh, attachment to Tim Robbins... He he ends up uh, saving him from this situation uh, late in the film, and mm. it's kind of like a. I guess you could read it as like a metaphor, like he's essentially like his guardian guardian angel, yeah. And the other people are like the demons that are you know. So it's like these two forces trying to grab Tim Robbins one way or another. What yeah. else was uh, Danny Aiello in? Do the right thing, Leon the Professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's those two big ones. Big, yeah, big ones. He's been in some other stuff though. He's an Italian guy. You'd know if you saw him. Yeah. Was he in Do the Right Thing? The, he was now, the other pizzeria owner. He's the owner. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I like uh, Jacob's Ladder a lot. I think it's got a good. I don't. I don't find. I'll, I will say this this time. Like watching it the first time, I didn't see the ending coming. Like, uh, the ending, right. Ending. Yeah. But I'm not sure how I didn't see it coming. Now that I rewatch, because they hint at it a lot in the movie. Like, yeah, a lot. Like they talk about it, like in multiple scenes. This idea of uh, him, his situation at the end of the movie, not to spoil yeah. anything. Well, I think like the first time you go through the movie, like once you get to the end, like all of a sudden, like it's very quiet and like 
you know, it's really like a reprieve at that point. Mm -hmm. So like you do kind of have to go back through it to like really like get your mind around what's going on in the first place. Yeah. And I like that uh, I'm always a big fan of any movie that takes place in a different time period but doesn't feel the need to, like, have a post, like, a superscript on the screen that says, you know, like, this is happening in this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I like that. Like, this movie is like that because I think, I think at the very beginning it tells you that it's 1971 in Vietnam. Mm. But then after that, you're just assuming, well, it's after Vietnam because he's home, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they don't tell you when it is, you know? And I think he, at one point he says it's been six years or something, but mm. they don't ever say, like, 1977, New York City. It was just really yeah, good. Yeah. I like that, that they just kind of let you... Because the audience is smart enough to know, you know, yeah. I think, when, what, when a movie is set. It's like, you don't need to... Like, it's like with, like, especially, like, night movies and stuff, or, like, like uh, Braveheart at the beginning. Of Braveheart, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, 1213 AD. And it's like, yeah, I was thinking this was 1940, you know? Like, yeah, totally. Like, why wouldn't, like, who cares what year it is? Like, like, exact, like this is obviously yeah. filmed at the Texas Ren Fair in 96. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know. So, anyways, um, yeah, I like Jacob's Ladder a lot. And uh, yeah. I wish I could say that I was, like, going to go watch all the Adrian Lyon films. But all, he does all these, like... That's sexual funny psycho dance. thrillers and stuff like fail attraction yeah, yeah. flash dance with fail yeah, attraction like, uh, and, uh, other stuff like that i don't I've, know it's just like nothing there was I'm one that he did uh, unfaithful with uh, richard gear yeah, and diane lane yeah, and like yeah. it was like it wasn't terrible that i remember but like it was like, you like know. i'm sure they're not bad movies i'm just yeah, it's yeah. just not something i'm interested in like i don't care about like relationship dramas you know or yeah mm-hmm. that seems like less a relationship drama and more like the whole um Sexual predator, that kind of stuff. Fatal attraction. And oh, fatal attraction. Yeah, what's well, about yeah. like a stalker woman yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but like that too, like Glenn Close as a yeah. sex object. Yeah, not, yeah. not into it. <laughs> I can't do it. And she's unattractive at best. She's a great actress, but uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's to agree. Uh, yeah, that's it for Jacob's Ladder. Gave it four cool. and a half. All right. Loved it. Still, I, uh, I still suggest you watch it. All right. Hmm? Um, I watched Rafifi. Mm. From 1955, uh, crime noir French film from Jules Dassin. And um, I think you had watched it recently, Kevin, and and we're talking about it. So I was interested to see it for the first time. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I thought it was like an interesting setup. Uh, This guy gets out of jail after being in jail for five years. Uh, I mean, it's kind of typical in a way. It's like you can get out of jail and let's do a big do another big like jewel heist or whatever but um it's kind of like the prototypical jewel heist film it's yeah uh, honestly it's it probably is one of the things that kind of set the bar for the genre yeah like it's been copied and it's influenced a lot of other films Mm. but uh yeah i really enjoyed it i thought i thought the acting was really well done um i i could have used a little bit more of like character development or character building like some of the female characters that felt were like really empty they were just kind of like you know Mm. hanger-ons like just this guy's wife this guy's girlfriend this guy's old flame they just they felt really like flat and just um just i don't know not not developed well just used as kind of like sex objects in a way and i wasn't really into that um and then like it's it was really shocking with like the the main guy tony like when he hooks up back with his old flame oh yeah uh, and, and he just like beats her well I'm, he like, tells her to get undressed he, he and then tells they her go to in the strip. room and, like you hear yeah. like 
Yeah, he's beating her with his belt or whatever. Did, he, did she deserve it though? I, not in my I think, mind. <laughs> well, I don't I think, think any woman deserves t- that. But well, like, I think maybe she, she's into it. And that's like how she gets off. This I, isn't preacher. Hit me harder. I don't. I didn't get that from the film, John. <laughs> I didn't think there was a subtext there. Oh um, boy. But yeah, it's like she's yeah. That she's was hooked a, up with like a, a weird, that was a weird kind of scene because like what was like was that a was that just like a. Was that appropriate to like the French in the fifties? Like, well, you know thing, what I mean? That's that's one of the like things. Like, you got to ask him. Like, if it, yeah, is it a misogynistic thing? And like the fact that she just kind of like goes she along goes with, with it, with and, it like yeah. just you know, you know, roll, rolls with the punches, literally. Yeah, um, that was, it yeah, was pretty like, shocking. Yeah, um, but but again, you know, like. Um, not to say that was European like a, cultures are obviously very very different from ours. Yeah, so. and and that's kind of where I was thinking as well. And not that that was like a bad move on the movie itself. Yeah, but it yeah. was just kind of like shocking. Like whoa, like that's that's in here. This is the fifties, and yeah. just like yeah, her her like just acceptance of it mm. was was kind of shocking. Uh, and just his fact that just the fact that he go to that extreme because like she's hooked up with another man now and he's been in jail and i guess she's kind of double crossed him and everything yeah that's what i was thinking like i think you know she like didn't directly turn him into the cops but like she kind of set up a scenario where he was easily going to be found by the cops or something i didn't get that i don't know i thought it was mainly that she like she like after he got um after he got turned in he she like sold all their stuff and like moved on quickly and was mm. with this new like you know strip club owner or not strip you know but like club cabaret, o- cabaret yeah, owner yeah. or whatever the villain what, what do you film. think of the uh the rafifi song the that whole song and dance uh, rafifi that's a rafifi song i don't know actually that's a lot better than than what's in the movie <laughs> it's kind of close actually yeah um i don't know i could have done with all that without all that again i felt yeah, like it was like we're uh, stealing diamonds all over the town like <laughs> like that girl who sings the song like yeah, her, yeah. her character again again i felt like yeah. she was just used as like a i like how a, you say character like Character, yeah, in quotes, air quotes. She was just kind of again uses like a sex object, just like oh, she's yeah, a pretty yeah. girl. They're showing her dance, and then I, I did like how she got together with um, Jules Dassin's character, the um, the Italian later, and like oh, yeah, that yeah. brought in some more intrigue where he gives her the ring and that gives them away. Yeah, I thought that was a nice turn with the plot. Got to mention the like thirty minute long silent heist, which was great. Best part of the movie R- really was the best part of the movie. Seeing like their whole procedure and going through like setting up the heist, and then you know taking time to like you know track like when the cops are coming by the building and mm-hmm. writing it down and like figuring out the times and stuff. And then yeah, the the whole heist like again not a whole lot of exposition nothing explained it's just like all right we're doing this and you're watching their procedure and like figuring out and following it as they go through it mm. i thought that was really well done yeah and then i you know part of me is kind of like all right where's this going to go from there and i did like how the plot developed from there where um yeah he gives her the ring and then they find out uh this was tony you know the yeah. the villains find out that it was them and so then you know that whole <clears throat> plot develops where they're kidnap the kid and you know they're trying to you know they kill like his Just partners give away and the whole movie jordan yeah why not it's from <laughs> 55 so i mean I like if you're gonna it, see it so sorry john that's right i tuned in uh anyway. watch <laughs> watch brute force instead 
I don't know. I, I liked it a lot. I, the only th- the only like big negative thing for me, like I felt like the atmosphere w- was really well done. Like he he sets it up to be like you know very well, like very gritty, um, and you just get that noir feel and like the silent yeah. ice and everything. Like they, you know they 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 do a good job pretty much on every aspect. But the ending was a little over the top. With the yeah, car, with the car that ride long, home, that long car like chase sort of. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, he's having trouble at the end. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it was yeah. just a little over the top. Like everything yeah. was super like gritty and realistic before that, and then you kind of get into like a very Hollywood like tragic ending in yeah, a way. Yeah. But hmm. I don't know because the bad, the bad, you know, is like even though. Like he's technically the good guy, you know. He's yeah. he's a thief, so the bad guy can't win. That's another thing too, where it's like they're thieves, and I'm watching this. Like I have no respect for these characters, or or like you know what, like again, him beating the woman and them just like stealing all this money. Like they're like there. I was like waiting for them for there to be like some comment on the fact that they're just thieves, and then I felt like it was just kind of thrown in there at the end. Yeah, where um. You know, the, one of the main characters, he has a he has a son who ends up getting kidnapped, and then his wife is hysterical about it, and she's just like, you know, you were yeah, you were poor growing up, but you know, so were millions of other kids, and they didn't become thieves, and like I think they're the tough ones, not you. Mm. And it was just kind of thrown in there, like yeah, being a thief is doesn't make you tough, or doesn't you know, you're not yeah. like a real man or a real tough guy or whatever. And I don't know. I was like, okay, at least there was some comment on it, but like they could have like built that into her character a little bit more throughout the film because the whole time I'm thinking like he's got a wife and a kid, but yet he's like planning these heists. Like, is it in secret or does she know about it? Like, how do the women feel about like their lifestyle? You know, I was kind of yeah looking for some more. That's kind of a running thread in the Jules Dassin movies that I've seen, like in um, Brute Force, like. The reason all the dudes are in jail has something to do with a woman. Hmm. Um, and then uh, Night in the City, like there's there's a woman who's like she's the wife of a club owner and she and, you know, she hates him. He's a, you know, hmm. lazy slob and like she's trying to get away from him. But then, of course, stuff happens and then she has to come crawling back to him. Um, yeah, so I, I don't. Jules Dassin, man, a misogynist and a communist. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Well, it's still a well-made movie, like you know, despite those flaws. Yeah. But uh, I like the the shootout and like his like some of the little like trickery he does to mm. to to get back what he needs at the end and everything. Yeah. I thought it was well done. Like in, you know, just like pretty basic like noir picture, but yeah, it's solid. I gave it a four. Kevin? Uh, I don't have anything else but a little trivia. Uh, Jules Dassin, his son, Joe Dassin, was a singer in France, and he has a song that comes in at the end of the Darjeeling Limited. Oh, okay. Interesting. Fascinating. I know, right? I just want to talk briefly about, uh, I've been watching a couple of Netflix shows. Mm Mm-hmm. One I talked about last week a little bit, uh, Mind Hunter, which I've continued to watch and has been getting better and better. Just a blast of a mm. show, so much uh, fun to watch, very intriguing. Uh, they're just interviewing serial killers left and right. 
and they're solving crimes while they do it. It's a lot of it's a good time. <laughs> nice. Uh, and uh, it, it's it's uh, really consistently well made. Uh, like I was talking last week about how Fincher only did the first two, but the, all the rest of them look really good. They look like Fincher directed them, so that's mm. good. Um, so yeah, it's solid. I really highly recommend it. And uh, also started watching uh, Ozark. Starring Jason Bateman, mm. uh, directed by Jason Bateman, first two and last two episodes. And I watched the first two episodes, and they are good. Uh, it's about a, a fellow who is a, a money launderer for a drug cartel. Mm-hmm. And he has to make this drastic change in order to stay alive. He has to move to the Ozarks in Missouri and... Uh, Start laundering more money for them, or else they're going to, you know, kill him and his whole family and that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, it's good. You'd think it would be like a like I think I heard a lot of comparisons to like Breaking Bad, but it's actually a, it's got its own thing going on. It's not really like Breaking Bad at all, um, other than the fact that he's you know got a family, but his whole family knows what he does. So there's uh, no like secrecy element like there is in Breaking Bad, and uh, it's pretty solid. And Jason Bateman is really good in it. Uh, surprisingly, well, not surprising. I like Jason Bateman, all right, but he's he's yeah. he's uh he's good in a dramatic role, you know, which you don't see him in a lot, I guess. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, those shows are good. Watch them. Good deal. All right, y'all ready to move on to the deep dive? Yeah, I got my notes. All right, cool. So, Princess Mononoke. Um, I'm thinking let's do like what we liked, like around one, kind of what we enjoyed, and then we can do what we didn't like. For uh, round two. So, who wants to go? Kev, let's start us off. Sure. Um, I love the animation in this movie. Um, when I watched it again, watched it on Blu-ray, and yeah. it, looks, it looks so vivid. Uh, yeah, cannot say enough about it. How, how much I like the animation. Um, yeah, on blue, it looks really great. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crudup is a guy who I don't think gets the um, the credit that he deserves as an actor. We're Thought just, we're really just uh, throwing credit all around today, aren't we? Everybody's trying to yeah, not credited credit. enough. <laughs> I like Billy Crudup a lot too. I, I like him yeah. a lot in too. general. Yeah. Okay. He's good. Yeah. But yeah. He's, he's um, really good in this. Yeah. I like him a lot in this. And I think the story is really good. Uh, like, like uh, I've said before, like uh, Mononoke, like it. A lot of Studio Ghibli movies are very much geared toward children, so there's not, there's usually not a whole lot of like, um, you know, really difficult stuff to watch. But uh, yeah, like um, the the fact that like. You know, heads fly apart. Decapitation. And arms are, yeah, decapitation. Arrows, yeah. And uh, like arms being cut off by arrows and stuff. And um, yeah, it's not for kids. You know, all, the, all the wolf blood that's in it. It's like, yeah, huh. It's a good bit of blood. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's overly gory. Like, I, I would still say it's more, you know, like, um, you know, not, not necessarily for children, but I wouldn't put it, you know, like, solidly in the adult area yeah, either. It's like young it's adult, very, yeah, very slash much young adult, adult kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, and I do. I think it has. I think it has a good message without beating you over the head with it. Um, what What would you say is the message? Well, respect the environment yeah. and respect each other and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, which 
is something like, especially these days, it's nice to hear that. Because mm. um, in the Trump days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The Trump um, era. Yeah. <clears throat> One quick little segue. Um, Uh-oh. So this, this most recent um, run of Stranger Things, there was a really, there was... One episode towards the end that I thought was a really weak episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really predictable. I Uh-oh. thought it was just. I thought it was just boring. Yeah, I <laughs> thought it was, this. This episode I thought was just really boring, and it's like, okay, come on, guys. Like you're taking a real dip here. They gotta have at least. They gotta have their number of episodes, so they gotta stretch it out. You know. Uh, they could have done without <laughs> this one, um, but it did raise a very good question because. Um, so the character Eleven, she has... Don't spoil anything, please. Just spoil the shit out of it. No, he hasn't seen it. Well, okay, so it raises, it raises the idea of like, um, you know, like revenge and violence, Mm -hmm. which is something that, um, I, I think is very relevant today because, um... You know, starting with uh, what's his face in uh, the neo Nazi in Australia when he got punched in the face on screen, and all of a sudden there's a big movement uh, punch Nazis, uh, find a Nazi, to, go out and find a Nazi to punch. It's like, okay, guys, 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 now you're just advocating violence for someone who doesn't agree with you. Now, self defense, I think, is one thing, but when you're, when you are actively seeking out violence, how are you any better? Then who said this? And where's Mononoke? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not like, I, I, like no, I said. I, this was this was a segue. Okay. I'm talking about messages. Okay, okay. The messages. in the in the show Stranger Things, there's a they're talking about this Nazi. No, situation. no, no, no. I can't say much without oh, spoiling it for old boy here. I understand. But you're like, th- yeah. I'm saying like in the episode, you get the message of like when it, when is it right to to do violence, violence or revenge okay, okay, or yeah, that yeah, kind sure, of thing? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Which I could, ha- I could see that uh, you could tie that into Mononoke because there's uh, some revenge aspects and violence. Yeah, yeah. Like um, yeah, especially with um, with San. You know. Yeah, she wants to kill Lady Oboshi. Yeah, and you know she just wants to, you know, <laughs> practically in the human race. <laughs> yeah, you know, in in favor of the environment. Yeah, which yeah, so brings in yeah, some so, different extremes there. Yeah, yeah. Versus uh, the people of Iron Town that pretty much just want to wipe out the environment uh, yes. to make way for the yeah. Humans. So I think you know, yeah, important messages that yeah. are still very relevant today. But I agree, it doesn't doesn't necessarily take a strong stand one way or the other or like hit you over the head with those messages that's uh yeah yeah it's got characters that are both good and yeah because like the fact not, that like you know like the the women talk about uh like uh if it wasn't for lady aboshi they would be in the brothels in yeah. the capital cities and stuff and she takes and, care of the lepers yeah and yeah. so yeah there is a lot of good being done but there's also a lot of bad being done so yeah Dynamic, uh, well-rounded characters. Indeed. All right, John. What did you like about this film? I like. I love how Jordan just assumes I'm going to hate this. Right? No, I think you. I, I don't <laughs> know. I'll, I'll say later what I think. I liked the score. All right. Yes, I agree. I thought the score was uh, pretty good. A little, little, little bit of a James Horner rip off, especially considering the time that it came out. Sounds a lot like 
uh, certain segments of Braveheart score, but it is good. And uh, there are other parts of it later on, especially like late in the film, where it starts to be very James Bondish. I don't know if you got that out of it. What very, the score? I can yeah. see that. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of like weird like horns and like the piano and so, I don't know, just a little little, little James Bondy. Yeah, uh, I didn't get that. But well, that's 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 what I thought of. I wrote right. the note down. All uh, right, all right. <laughs> Well, he uh, just watched Quantum of Solace and that's loved true. The true. I love the Jesus. I love Quantum of he Solace. He's got Bond on the, the Bond. best Bond film. Um, I can sum up my feelings for this film uh-huh. using a, a verse from your Bible. All right, uh, and I'll tell you the verse: First Corinthians thirteen eleven. Do you know this one? That's the uh, love chapter. I don't know the particular verse. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. Yeah. When I became a man, I put away childish things. This movie is not for me. It's for children. Uh, it was not interesting <laughs> at all to me. It was very, very boring. Uh, I like how you think I'm going to hate it. <laughs> I know, right? Like, multiple things that Kevin just said he liked about it, I hated about it. I thought the animation was not good at all. Wow. Uh, I thought it looked like TV Saban-level animation. It looked like an episode of Dragon Ball Z. Wow. Uh, it looked like frames were missing at wow. certain points. Uh, I, I, pitiful. And I'm granted, sure you watched the right movie? I had, just re- I had just rewatched Akira the day before, and Akira is uh, beautiful. You're, you're spoiled there. And uh, yeah. much better looking than this film. And uh, it just it just struck me as like very, like um, I don't know, not super well put together. Uh, you know, sorry, and I, <laughs> and I, the the eco message. How you said it wasn't didn't hit you over the head. I thought it would very much hit you over the head. I thought it pounded in into your face uh, very early on, all the way through the film uh, about how we need to respect nature and uh, you know. I mean, they they literally have a character that is nature. <laughs> like it's pretty Which ludicrous. Car- oh, the the uh, one forest, that they cut the head off the of. Forest and, spirit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean like. He is nature. Like it like it's just it's just I don't know, it's pretty ludicrous. And the voice acting, I liked Billy Crudup's voice acting because I didn't know it was Billy Crudup until after. Yeah. But Billy Bob Thornton is distracting. He is horribly distracting. distracting. Yeah. Mm, and I could I, never focus on anything he was saying because I was just thinking this is Billy Bob Thornton and it looks yeah. it's weird because it doesn't look <laughs> like Billy Bob Thornton in the movie. Like where some animated movies they'll you like when you watch Lion King and you see Scar and you're like, Oh, I can kind of see Jeremy Irons like making that face. But like I none of that in this, obviously, because you know it's he's not dubbed the original for America. Actor. Yeah, it's yeah, dubbed yeah. for America. Yeah, yeah. Um, it reminded me of something I forgot to say on Jacob's Ladder. Macaulay Culkin is in Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, he yeah. plays Tim Robbins' uh, dead son, and I don't think he's credited, which is weird. But it would that was really distracting in, in Jacob's Ladder, at least for the first <laughs> like two or three times he shows up. It was like that's Macaulay Culkin. It's really bizarre that he's in this, you know. Mm. But um. Yeah, I just this it just didn't do it for me. And the, anything uh, else you liked? Uh, no, not really. Score. <laughs> that's it. Uh, I mean, the score is the only positive note I have. All right. Uh, I had questions about it that I guess aren't positive or negative, but um, yeah, I just it just wasn't. Uh, I don't. It's just you know, it's not just your not, thing, it's man. Not for me, man. Yeah. It's like watching a bad Disney movie. Which it, incidentally, it is a bad Disney movie because it's uh, distributed, distributed by Disney. By Disney. Uh, and I, I just, I was thinking like I'll watch this and maybe I'll, I'll watch some other short uh, Miyazaki film because that's another thing. This thing is, you know, way too long. It's like ridiculously long. And uh, but I was just like, I, I can't do it. I can't watch another one of these. Cause Have you seen Spirited Away? No, if that's two twenty. I'd rather shoot myself in the face. Like I, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. 
Oh, I would watch something. Ugh. I'll watch an 80 minute movie. Did he make any 80 minute movies? I don't know. Ponyo? How long is Ponyo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, don't, uh, I just can't. I'm just not into tutorial. it. The, the whole fantasy element, too. I'm not a fantasy yeah, person. I hate that. fantasy. I hate the fact that they're riding wolves and like they're like it's gigantic so cool. warthogs and stuff. It's just like so stupid. I ugh, I can't stand it. Why not? That's so cool. It's just lame. Wolves, dude. I, mm. I, at the I beginning, a, he's, riding, he's riding like this weird like antelope creature. Yeah, it's red elk. Why isn't he just riding a horse? He's of the Amishi people, and they ride red elk. Why? Because that's what they ride. Yeah, but you you say that like it's some kind of like long-standing tradition well, that exists. He, Hang on, in literature, in Japanese literature, like mythical. this is the thing that they they made. This is like a five hundred year old text or something. It's literally some shit that they just made up for this movie. No, I mean it has some historical elements to it. As far as like the samurai clans and the Mishi and stuff, but yeah, there's a lot they, of mythical and they, stuff. They didn't ride horses. Samurais didn't ride horses. He's not a samurai. They're not from a samurai clan. Exactly. Uh, the samurais yeah. ride horses, but yeah. I just don't understand why he was like like they have to have these weird creatures in it and like this bizarre. It's just like, so silly. I, I guess since you're not into fantasy, I understand. But I mean, like watching it, like, I'm not why into not? fantasy because of this. Like because of those things. Those things don't make any sense to me, and they're like lame. Like I, Sean, I don't like. It just, I, I just, when I watch something, I want to be able to say, okay, logically, that makes sense. Like, he's riding the red elk because this and this and this. But in the movie, it's just literally like, eh, it's just this cool creature we designed, and like, we thought it would be fun looking, and we just Why not? It. Like, I it's don't just know. stupid. I don't, it's just stupid. <laughs> I don't know. And like, I, I just, you know, like I said, the animation just didn't do it for me. The draw, like, just the designs of the characters weren't very interesting to me. Um, I mean, again, and I'm not an anime person. Just coming off of Akira and like how good Akira was, and how good the character designs in are, are on that, and how amazing the animation is, and how smooth it is uh, mm-hmm. compared to this movie. I mean, it's just like a it's like wiffle ball. Like how this much? Movie. How different is Akira's uh, oh, character uh, designs? Though? Th- like, this is where I can different. I can prop up John's argument here. Akira is just absolutely next level animation like well, it's a, such a, it's a mixture of cell and hand drawn and it's like it's like and paintings a decade and, older yeah. too but it looks amazing. i mean i agree kira is a superior film yeah. and like just top of the list for anime like and also like movie. i think like i think one of the things about one of the things about studio ghibli like it has a reputation as being this kind of like um uh, like boutique kind of cinema that where you know like that's kind of run by Miyazaki, but like from what I understand, I think it's it's more like Toho, where it's you know it's a studio. It does a lot of different things. Yeah, well, so. it just reminds me of like I read I, like I remember reading about Ponyo and and, and reading that like uh, Miyazaki hand drew all the waves, and then like I read this one and it said he hand drew like eight thousand of the. The pictures were, and I was like, "Yeah, you should probably not do that." Like, that's probably why it looks so shoddy, is because you got one guy doing like eighty percent of the work. It, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I just totally disagree. I think the animation looks great, but whatever. I think it looks great, just, but it. Does, I, I, but Akira is the tops. As well, far yeah, as like animation. maybe because you just watched Akira. It's not even that, but I mean, I would, I would have noticed though. I mean, I, like I'm literally like it. Literally looks like it was made. It looks like a series. Like, it doesn't look like a film. It looks like <clears throat> Dragon Ball Z. Like, what aspects look like a series? Like, the fact that they don't animate people's faces. They literally animate mouths opening. No jawline moving. I mean, it's like nitpicks, I guess, but, like, 
thing again things you don't get in Akira like in Akira like they're animated like human beings like in this movie it's literally like they drew a picture of a person and they animate the mouth moving when they talk and then I mean and then, and then if they move like if they move it's like duh, duh. it's like it's just like these like it almost like they're like frames missing like it should be a smooth motion but they're like I don't know. It's horrible. I didn't it's see horrible. any of that. Oh my god, it's horrible. I didn't see. You any got the of blinders that. on, my friend, because you want your you want well, your kids to love this. And no, you want, you that, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, yeah, as far as the blinders kind of came off of, with my rewatch. You are you done or you want me I to go? I am. I mean, I'm done. I can talk more. I can talk more shit about it. But that's I'm done. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll save yeah. that for round two. All right, so as far as what I, I like, you know, this is like what number one on my top ten, and uh, you know, I love Studio Ghibli, I love Miyazaki, longtime fan. Uh, really, this is the first uh, Miyazaki film that I watched, and so it has again a lot of nostalgia uh, for me, and just something that I've always really cherished and thought was great. Um, but yeah, what I liked about it on the rewatch, I like you, Kevin. I enjoyed the animation. I think it's really beautiful. Um, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the characters and the, I guess mainly what I really enjoy is the, the dynamics between the characters and Ashitaka and the story about, you know, him kind of being caught between two worlds of, you know, the forest and the animal gods and Irontown and the people and how, you know, there's no real clear, uh, villain, you know, there's, villainous aspects to characters on both sides and i like that it's balanced in a way like that where you have um you know like the boars and like their arrogance and stupidity on one side and you have um the arrogance of lady oboshi and iron town and um and those people on the other side you know wiping out the forest and killing the animals just kind of like nonchalantly and everything mm. um and i can see how the message is just a little heavy-handed at parts like um i get into that in the next round but i also really like billy crudup and i think john like you said you don't know that this is him like going into it unless you read about it or whatever but i think he is the best of the english voice actors because sure. of that aspect he's not distinct he doesn't stand out and i felt like yeah mini driver and billy bob they and jada pickett smith jada pinker i didn't know i didn't know many drivers yeah. in it either until after but i i will say that i had to pause it midway through for some reason i probably had to use the bathroom or something and i no i had to pa- i don't figure why i had to pause it i may have to cook dinner or something anyways i was looking at my phone and looking up the voice cast and i saw that as billy crudup and then when i was finished watching it i still didn't know it was yeah billy. i was like i can't he hear blend, Billy Crudup yeah, in this. You can't yeah, really yeah, hear him. It sounds him at all. too young. It's like yeah. weird. Yeah. And I love like just the earnestness in his voice. Like he just mm. plays it really well. Like very just innocent and but like I don't know, just princely. I don't know. He just does a great job with it. But yeah, I felt like some of the other uh, English actors were pretty distracting. So that mm. um, that brought it down for me a little bit on the rewatch. Um, I don't know. I also really, yeah, I just really like, I'm, you know, I'm not like a huge fantasy fan, but I like the fantastical elements of it. I think with animation, you go into animation for um, those reasons, or, you know, that can be a reason why you do something animated to, you know, create another world to bring in some, um, these fantastical otherworldly elements you couldn't get in live action. Mm-hmm. Um I just think it's really great. Uh, yeah, I like the score too. I, I I think I mentioned on our when we were talking about scores before. I th- yeah, this is like one of my 
top ten scores is really great, um, really iconic, sticks with you. So um, I could go on, but I'll I'll give it over to you, Kev. So what didn't you like about this film? Well, John did bring up a good point about uh, like I think like some of the like the animation like. I wouldn't say like that it was necessarily like like a TV show. I mean, cuz like, you know, you know, kind of like grass is grass, a mountain is a mountain, you know, there's only so many there's only so many ways you can draw it, but like there were like especially like with the voice dubbing. Uh like John DiMaggio playing Lady Eboshi's uh right-hand man. What? What do you mean? You know, it's like just way over the top and I'm like Okay, DiMaggio, you can dial that back a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah he's kind of a goofy character, though. Yeah, I mean, like, very, very much so. And uh, yeah, and like Billy Bob was very distracting. Yeah. And uh, like, <laughs> it's it's funny. John brought up like it being distributed by Disney. Like, I love the, I love the fact that like Disney is like you know they put their logo at the beginning of the movie like it's a Disney movie. It's like. Come on, man! Like kids won't notice. Yeah, like, well, ki- well <laughs> kids, the, kids won't notice. But like, it, you know, like they have the Studio Ghibli uh, logo in the beginning too. But Disney comes first. But Disney comes first. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because like you know, like let's see. I know it was distributed by Miramax Originally, when it first yeah. came over, but then Disney bought Miramax, and yeah, so yeah. now you know, like, hey, look, we got all the Ghibli films. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Disney is just buying. Buying up buying everything, everything, you know, <laughs> monopoly on entertainment. All the terrible stuff, yeah. Marvel and Ghibli, and you know, they, they buy all the terrible stuff. I agree. <laughs> um, they are a monopoly of terrible media. Anyway, I just, uh, uh, it comes to a halt when I say this. <laughs> the world's just stopped. an opinion. Calm down. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, you can hear the outrage in the yes. silence. Yeah, we can just. Star Wars 2, right, John? Star Wars 2? And Star I'm Wars a- as well. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like part 2, Star Wars 2. <laughs> Star Wars as well? Part of their garbage yes. monopoly? Yes, it is. No, yes. I'm joking. Well, yeah. well, technically, you know, if you want to get technical about these things, Force Star- Awakens Star Wars- is the best Star Wars movie. <laughs> well, Star Wars, Star Wars 2 is technically Attack of the Clones, which is easily the worst of the Star Wars movies. I would so, disagree. Revenge of the Sith is the worst movie ever. I mm, worst movie close. ever. Let's they're, they're close. Anyway, anyway, here. Let's um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I want to watch it with the um, the with Japanese. The, with, yeah, with the original Japanese and with the subtitles because uh, I remember. Let's see. I had seen Akira like once or twice. And then I was watching an interview with Todd McFarlane on the uh, Spawn HBO DVDs. Yeah. And he was saying that uh, apparently the English translation didn't do the story justice or whatever. I've, I've for Akira? What he, for Akira, yeah. Oh, okay. So I went back and watched uh, Akira with the original Japanese and with subtitles. Yeah, and, I want to do that. Yeah, and like personally, that's how I prefer to watch foreign movies. Yeah, makes um, sense. Yeah, because you, you know, watch the like, original. Uh, yeah, like a Bergman movie, like if there was a yeah. dub available, I wouldn't You're not watch, gonna watch Seven Seal dub. with, uh, yeah. you know. 
Um, and I told you guys to yeah. watch the English dub because, like, that's what I'm familiar with. But I kind of yeah, regret yeah. it now. I, I kind of wish we would have watched the Japanese. I think that would I been... wouldn't have watched the Japanese, even if you asked us to. So. Really? No. Why? Because I, I, I don't want to watch a subtitle anime movie. But you're going to watch a, a foreign anime, like a foreign film with yeah. subtitles, but not like an, I don't get it. Because with an anime, you can dub it without it being noticeable. Like, it doesn't, like, I mean, the the mouths rarely are animated to what's being said anyway, especially in a Ghibli movie, I'm assuming. Like, if it's anything like Mononoke, where they're literally just opening their mouths every time they say something. I mean, you can just throw in American uh, or English uh, dub on that, and it's fine. I don't don't want to be distracted. it's, I think a, it's bring, an animated film. I want to watch the movie. Like it's it's part it's a part of an animated film is spectacle. I'm not watching it so that I can like hear about the story and how interesting it is. Like it's a kids movie. Like I'm watching it because it's supposed to be a good looking movie and like fun and exhilarating. And it won't be if I'm like spending the whole time reading it. That's all. I don't know. I wouldn't want to watch like uh, I mean if like I don't know. It's a bad example maybe, but like if John Wick were a foreign film, I'd probably watch it dubbed too because I don't want to be distracted by the whatever ridiculous storyline there is and having to read and like catch up with it. I just want to see people get their heads blown off. I just think you know? most dub is pretty gross. And this is probably like this and Cowboy Bebop are kind of held up as the top tier of like English dub for anime, and they're still not great. So I also can't mm. stand Japanese voices on anime. Like, they're just like really high pitched, like super high. Pi- they always seem like really kiddy. I can't deal with that either. So like, I mean, just even, I mean, even like the fact that Billy O'Thornton is distracting, at least it's <laughs> yeah. a man's voice. Like instead of having some like eunuchs, you know, doing the, uh, doing the <laughs> some eunuchs. I don't know. I don't know. I watched a bit. I'm going to get the, even uh, with those eunuchs. I'm going to cut off whatever extraneous part of their anatomy still remains. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I watched a bit of the uh, the Japanese version just to see how it compared, and I, don't uh-huh. know, I didn't. I thought the voices sounded fine. I don't think oh, also, also, like this is another thing with the Japanese thing is that a lot of animes aren't Japanese. Like they're Japanese made, but they're not set in a Japanese setting. Sure. So, mm-hmm. like in that case, like for something like Gundam, for instance, like I would never think about watching Gundam Wing. In in Japanese because I don't see those characters as Japanese characters. Yeah, they don't look Japanese. I think the point is not that like if they're Japanese or they're set in Japan or whatever, but the fact that this was originally made and like the voices were directed by like the original makers and also the I think the English translation and like you know Anglo size of it is kind of detrimental to the material. Like that's kind of how I felt. Like if you care mm, about the yeah. story. Well, obviously I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I, don't, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. See, like, this makes no... I got... I mean, is the story drastically different in the Japanese version? I mean... Not not drastically okay, different, then, but, what's like... What's the difference, then? Right? There, there was elements where, like... You know, I think we talked about, like, you could watch a foreign film and the dialogue, like, not be that great, but because... Or the acting really not be that great, but because it's foreign, yes. it doesn't, like, come off to yes. you as, as much. Like, Breathless. Yeah, breathless. Yeah, yeah. Right? Seventh seal. <laughs> there you go. So I think that's a situation where like this would have probably improved for me if I had watched it in Japanese because like some of the dialogue was pretty weak, and I feel like that might be mostly because of the English, or like it wouldn't feel as weak if I had watched it like subtitle. I don't know. What else you got? Be interesting Jim? to try. Yeah, I want to. Um, that's all you got. 
right. Yeah, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of Claire Danes, but that's, I mean, that's... I thought she was good. I didn't feel like I, she was... I, I didn't, My wife recognized her voice, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Claire Danes. I mean, I don't. I don't really Romeo have that much of an opinion on Claire Danes, one way or another. Um, like it's. I mean, you know, she's just another actress. Yeah, I thought she was like Billy Crudup and Claire Danes are probably the best ones out of all of them for me. Well, Crudup stands head and shoulders oh, yeah. above all of them. Above everyone yeah, else, he's really great. Um, John, you want to talk more crap about it? Yeah, I mean, I can. <laughs> well, I just read the rest of my notes here. I mean. All right. uh, I have the note, why fantasy, which goes along with the whole, like, I mean, I just don't understand why it needs to be a fantasy movie, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. You I, might you might appreciate uh, The Wind Rises more. It's more uh, set in, like, the more 30s realistic. and 40s in Japan, and it's, you know, it's not a fantasy. Yeah, it's yeah, realistic. I, it's I, more adult-oriented. I can't, I can't imagine watching another one of these, but I mean, you know. <laughs> well, uh, if you're not into this, then yeah, you're probably the not going to The humor is brutal. Uh, anything, anytime they try to make a joke or try to be funny, it's like the opposite. It's like what cringe moments? In, cringe-inducing. Just anything Billy Bob Thornton does is supposed to be funny, or uh, I feel like there are other characters are who are Are you selling like soup or donkey piss? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> this is stupid. I don't know, that's, that's lame. Why are all the women wearing bathrobes? They're kimonos. That's, they all look like they just got out of the shower. What's going on? Japanese. What are they wearing on their heads then? What do you mean? They're all wearing like towels on their heads. Is that when they're like in the ironworks and stuff? All the time. The women all throughout the movie in Irontown, every time you see them, Jerry Pinkett Smith's character and the rest of them are all wearing, uh, I guess, kimonos with, that are were clearly wearing nothing underneath and wearing towels on their heads. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's, well, a, it's very are, confusing. I was like, are, are they like going to the bathhouse or something? And it shows them like working. Well, they are like, working in a fairly doing? fairly steamy environment. So yeah, yeah. they're so using it as a steam house. Um, I wrote that the MPAA is a joke because like this movie, uh, it's rated PG thirteen. Uh, that's that's too much. I'd this, say this uh, PG. At, I don't at know. Most. Dude. I, no, I was gonna say that. They're getting away with a lot for PG-13. I mean, they're showing people getting decapitated by arrows. Uh, yeah. Like, that's pretty extreme. That's not something you'd get away with if you were making a, a, a film in real life. No, Air, and, if, and if Disney made a movie uh, with... Well, I mean, if Disney made a movie with decapitation... If some, some like independent studio in America made a movie with decapitations, they would immediately rate it R, and it would lose all of its audience because it's mm-hmm. an animated film that's rated R. So I think that's kind of a joke. Uh Eco message terrible. Oh, I hated when when the she she like, I guess it's the girl. I didn't write down names. The girl in it eats food and then like throws it up in his mouth. Oh yeah, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> like what that is kind of weird. shit is that, man? That's <laughs> gross. Uh, and yet y'all just oh, talked about necrophilia in the Neon Demon and people eating each other, but this is gross because he's she's like nursing him back to health. Yeah, nursing him like a bird. That's, that's get, get fucking real. It says it's uh, also like the wolves. What's with the wolves? Like they can't smile. Like all they do is like, like they're just constantly like full of rage, no matter what the context is. Like their their mouths are constantly like like there's like lines all around them. Their teeth are clenched all the time. They're panning at times with their tongues hanging out. Like I never noticed that. All I ever saw was their teeth clenched. I think that's a big thing with like animating animals. Like uh, it's kind of a thing where like you, you know. You kind of go. You kind of got to go like one way or another. Like you kind of got to anthropomorph, anthrop, 
Amorphosize them. Or you got to like go like just fully the other direction, like uh, Watership Down. Like uh, the all of the animals in Watership Down, like they don't have, they're not anthropomorphized at all. They can't talk. Well, they can talk, but well, that's they a little bit anthropomorphized, then, right? A tad. Okay. So that's a, but they don't probably. look like humans with like yeah they don't heads. they don't it's not like Disney oh, well, where like they have I'm like not obvious saying that the wolves like, look know. like people I'm saying that they were constantly like in well, a, no, a I state see, of growling and like their teeth were clenched like, I shouldn't understand you wanted it. to see more emotion or something. there's no emotion except anger like they're just constantly pissed off and it was they're just angry getting, they're, a little boring they're killing their force also uh, also uh, they're out for blood oh the, the wolves the, the fact that they talk. But that it's like I don't understand it. Like it, it comes along so late in the film, it feels like forty five minutes have gone by, and then all of a sudden the wolves can talk, and they're talking like without moving their mouths, like it's some kind of like telepathy or something. I, I, they move their mouths, but it doesn't match with what they're saying. Which do is, they move their mouths at all? I really? Yeah, they're like, I will eat you. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, you, the animation's great, right? I didn't like that aspect of <laughs> Give it. Give me a break. And I don't think that was like they were supposed to match their mouths. Uh, I think that's like a Japanese thing. The last uh, line of the film uh, he's trying to tell us something that it's time for us to live is the worst line I've ever heard. It's pretty rough, actually. It's just like sappy horse shit. Yeah. I really didn't like this movie at all. Sorry. It's not for me. It's not Two for out of five. Two out of five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was thinking you would have liked it a little bit better than that. You but were thinking wrong. I was friend. thinking wrong. If it was about 75 minutes, I probably would have bumped it up another star. <laughs> another star? Yeah. Like all the way? Three out of five. Wow. For, for the time. A full star for the decapitations? No, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll talk, I don't like any of that. I think that's lame. Like the fact right. that he's shooting an arrow and it's decapitating someone is absolutely stupid. He's got the demon arm. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, it, you could shoot an arrow as hard as you want. Why would it decapitate someone? It'll go through his neck. Like why would it rip the head off? It makes no sense. It's just stupid. It's just like. It's magical, John. Oh my God. It's, it's not magical. It's not. It's beyond His your arrows are magical? Yes. Give me a break, man. <laughs> Just stupid. <laughs> I don't know if I need to say anything negative. John's pretty much, you know, done done that yeah. part for us. It's just a goofy, um, goofy movie for children. <laughs> for you goof. Um, yeah, goof. I, re- I highly recommend this to any seven or eight year olds out there who like just like really cheesy, badly drawn cartoons. And we'd also wow. recommend The Master for anyone who wants a really pretty. But way too long and not interesting character study of a pseudo Scientologist. Agree to disagree on that one. All right, yeah. oh, Master's masterpiece. That's why it's called the Master. Masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, out. man. They left out the piece. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah. So what I didn't like on the rewatch, it did go down for me a little bit. That dialogue you mentioned—that's pretty rough. We've talked about this before with the exposition, but I felt like there was a lot of moments where they're like talking to explain the plot, and that just didn't do it for me. Like, like a lot of what you know, little one-liners that Ashitaka says, where he's like, "The forest spirit," and, he, and then they show the forest spirit. You know, I was like, okay, like he's mm. just telling us that, or like the big moment where it's not a big moment, but it was like a a kill joy moment for me, where like. Uh, <laughs> 
Billy Bob Thornton's character, Jigo, is in the forest, and they're dressed up like the bears with the blood on their face and stuff. Mm. And they're there to, like, you know, capture the forest spirit or hunt him out or whatever. And then he's, like, explaining to his guys, like, to his men, like, we're here to catch the forest spirit. This piece of paper shows that if we kill him and cut off his head, the emperor will give us tons of money or whatever. And it's like, why do you need to explain that to your men who are in the field with you? Like, they know why they're there. You're only telling us that, you know, for the sake of the audience. Mm. There was, like, a good bit of that where I had never I'd never really noticed that before. But rewatching it, I guess with a more critical eye for this podcast, I was just like, yeah, that's kind of rough. The dialogue's kind of rough. So I'm hoping that if I were watching the Japanese, that will improve. But you can't, you can't improve that moment in the Japanese. I'm sure that's all still there. Um... What else did I like about this? Like I said, I thought some of the voice actors were uh, distracting. And, um, yeah, for a, a two-hour movie, two-hour and 13 minutes, I felt like it wasn't... I felt like there it was getting long, and they were like, oh, we need to wrap this up real quick. Like it's we, long. We need to get this done. And, like, so, you know, they the, the ending comes, and they, uh, you know, nature is restored and everything. But it's like you got like three quick moments with the different like key characters and then it ends and like that whole scene with Ashitaka and San like you go to this forest and I'll remain in Irontown and like that's great they didn't try and like put in like a romantic ending or marriage or something at the end they're just like going their separate ways but they'll see each other every now and then but it's like it is already long but like I could have used a little bit more there where it's just like wrapped up so quick just in like his line of dialogue i understand you'll go to the forest and i'll help them rebuild iron town the end see you later and then they go to lady oboshi and she's like where's ashitaka i need to thank him we'll build a better town and then they go to jigo and he's like oh well i quit can't beat fools and it's just like all these moments that are ob- like really obviously there just to like tie up the story and like end it um so i don't know that like latter half right there at the end didn't really do it for me so it it went down to like a 4.5 for me when there's rewatch number one movie of all time yeah it's not staying at (laughs) it's not staying at number one anymore sadly and uh so what's moving up i don't know i have to rewatch all these things you're gonna have to do a director's cut of your top 10 yeah and that's i mean again i think uh it's funny like looking at all the things that i've uh that have rated this podcast talking about nostalgia and um Cowboy Bebop and rewatching this and just both of those just kind of going down. It's like, you know, sometimes things uh, are better stayed in your memory, but mm. I still like it. I still think it's a it's a good film, but it's uh, not quite as good as I thought. And um, John, I, in a way, I kind of uh, agree with your your mention of the, the Bible verse there, that, you know, when I was a child, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I can see like why I really liked this at fourteen or whatever. But now as like an adult, even though I can still appreciate Miyazaki, I've always felt like adults and children can appreciate his films. I can see like why this as isn't as exciting for me as an adult. Like okay, and probably because I've seen it like a dozen times, it's just like okay, this isn't new to me. This isn't like blowing my mind or whatever. Like when I first saw it, but. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about it if I like first saw it as an adult and was like, oh, okay. Two out of five. Probably higher than that, <laughs> hopefully. 
But yeah, I saw it for the first time as an adult. So, <laughs> well, that's you. It's all. It's obviously not your thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else um, for the deep dive? Then we got to move on to our feedback. John, you seen Lady Hawk? No, okay. I've, seen, I've seen Lady Hawk. I do like Richard Donner, though. That's what I was going to ask. Richard Donner, Rucker Howard, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Matthew Broderick, but I wouldn't say that's in the movie's favor. Um, oh, I like he's that. not I like bad. Matthew Broderick. He's he's not great yeah, in that. Ferris but, uh, Bueller. Ferris, yeah. Well, Ferris Bueller, but uh, I like Redger Howard, obviously, especially yeah, yeah. in the '80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. rules. What would you give uh, Lady Hawk? Think it's a great film. Or? I'd ha- I'd have to watch it again. I bought it at a garage sale for like twenty five cents last year. Right, and watched it, and uh, I don't know. It was all right. I didn't think it was great. Probably give it like a three. Yeah, probably same here. But yeah, just curious because you know Richard Donner. Oh yeah, and like Richard Donner is a guy that like. He's a director who's done like a lot of different things, and I think he can kind of go into all of them fairly well. Like he can do action, uh, you know. Like he can do action. He can do horror. He can, uh, you know. He did the sup- the first Superman movie, Lady Hawk, a fantasy. You know, yeah. sixteen blocks, crime thriller. Mm. I haven't seen that. Lethal one. Weapon. <laughs> Was that yeah. good? Crime 16 blocks? comedy. That's all right. It's a remake of the Gauntlet, mm. Clint Eastwood movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Donner. I mean, I don't think he's like a master or anything. He's good yeah. though. I like I like a Lethal Weapon. I like all the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah. And, uh, I think the Omen I like the is Goonies. You know, yeah, yeah. I think the Omen is overrated. I haven't seen the Omen. Is haven't seen Superman. Uh, haven't seen Lady Hawk. I don't know. Okay. Oh, Conspiracy Theory is all right. Oh, okay. yeah, I like Conspiracy Theory. It's kind of like hit or miss director. Yeah, but he's had his hands. He's had his hands all over. Very eclectic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, so ratings here, or you said four and a half, right? Four and a half for me. Two for me. Four and a half. Okay, so it went down for you. Yeah, it went down a little bit. Do you have the email up? I don't. I'll get it up real quick. It's real, real simple email. Yeah. From if uh, you have uh, feedback for us as we're pulling this up, uh, if you have a question or idea you want to talk about on the show, you can send. These guys, a uh, email at feedback at filmiacpodcast.com, mm-hmm. and I'll get it too, but I won't be on the show. I'll just read the emails and, and say, oh, that's interesting. You can write in emails. Yeah, I can write in. Yeah, yeah. I can write in my responses. Y'all read them. We read had them a, a uh, email this week. It's actually from last week, but we skipped it because we wanted to have something to read this week. Mm-hmm. From Jonathan A., who's going to be our our new co-host. Uh, Possibly. No, definitely. I oh, just, just texted him. Okay. He's, All, he's right. In. All right. Uh, Got the confirmation. He says, if you could only watch films from one decade in film history, what decade would that be? Very short, oh. concise, to the point. And a just hard like question, him. really. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, short, concise, packs a wallop. Like him. <laughs> uh, he's got a firm grip i don't know uh i don't know i don't know what do you guys um, think i uh i thought about it and i thought of a couple of different decades and uh it's a hard time making a final decision yeah but i i just watched rafifi and i thought about like oh man there's tons of like movies from the 40s and 50s i still haven't seen that are classics and that i probably need to see and that you know might stand the test of time better than like 
you know, stuff from the 80s or 90s or whatever. I also thought about the 70s, like, oh, there's a lot of, like, little movies, like indie movies and um, mm. smaller movies that I haven't seen as well. And I guess I kind of went with it that, that way, like, not as far as, like, oh, what movies and, like, what movies do I love the most and, like, uh, in the decade, you know, in a decade that I love the most, but mm. more like what has the most potential for enjoyment like if I can only watch movies from like the fifties, like there's probably like there's probably a lot more movies made during that time too. Thinking of like yeah. quantity of things to enjoy. Yes, and kind of the end of the golden, the age, golden of Hollywood. age, yeah. So fifties, so maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, in the nineties for you, John. Kill me, seventies, eighties, or nineties. Yeah, I gotta probably would go ninety. I just gotta think about my top one hundred and think about where most of those films come from. And I think you'd probably probably more than not would come from the nineties, probably so, Uh, or the early two thousands. If I go from ninety five to two thousand five, maybe or ninety seven to two thousand seven, that we get Zodiac in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're thinking about movies that you love that you want to be able to rewatch. I mean, I'm sure there's movies from ninety seven to two thousand seven that I haven't seen. Yeah. Now you've seen Princess Mononoke. Yeah, I don't have to watch that trash again. Uh, John's thinking, okay, ninety eight to two thousand eight. <laughs> I do like to rewatch. I like to rewatch stuff for sure. I mean, yeah. You got to. Look what happened to you. It's your favorite film of all time. It dropped out of the top spot because you rewatched it. That's yep. what happens. You yeah, got to rewatch stuff. You know, I, I thought uh, Halloween was going to be a five out of five. I rewatched it. I'm like, yeah, this is good. It's definitely not a five out of five. I mean, it's yeah. nowhere close to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I like the thing better as far as John Carpenter films go. Hey, what did you give Akira? Five. Five. Akira is a masterpiece. It is. I, and I, I was telling uh, Kevin on the show last week. It's unfortunate because you can't, like, the director's done nothing else that's any good looking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to watch more of this crazy, violent, good motorcycle gangs. <laughs> it's yeah. just so cool, but these, all this other stuff is lame looking, and I just, like, such so such a bummer. Yeah, I tried to watch... Steam Boy. It's uh, <laughs> rough. That, and there's, uh, what was it, Metropolis? Metropolis. Something? It's not, not bad. Pretty good, but again, I don't know. I remember watching it; it'd be crap now. So maybe, but I, I rewatched Akira, and it yeah. was better than I remembered it being. So I eh, think Akira that will happens too. Stand up for sure. Yeah, I need to rewatch it on blue. Yeah, but uh, yeah, probably. probably I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'll just say the '90s, since you know you got Point Break in there, and you got mm. all the good Fincher films. A lot of the good Fincher films are in there, and. Mm. Uh, in 99 alone, you know, you've got all the a lot of great films in 99. You got uh, Julian Donkey Boy and American Beauty and Fight Club and Saving Private Ryan is in 98, I think. And uh, mm. no, I think it's in 99. It's in 99. I think you got Thin Red Line in nine, 90, 98. Mm. I mean, it's a lot of good stuff in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And the 70s is, you know, there's a lot of good films, but there's also a lot of trash. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it's like, I had an argument one time with a guy, with Josh, actually, Playlock. about uh, jazz music. I think, saying, <laughs> he, I think you've brought this up before. He's saying you Coltrane, have to like you have to like Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong most because he's the first. And I was uh, like, but he's not good. Like, I like Coltrane because Coltrane is better. It sounds better. Well, that's like saying you've got to like the first 
Exactly, like 1920s stupid. silent films. Exactly, or it's a stupid argument. Yeah, yeah it's like, like why would I? You have to like something because it's original. Like I don't. Yeah, I, like, I guess I would say you you should appreciate it. Yeah, you don't you have to appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Even you could say it's trash. Like I don't care. It's like you know these people who are like. Uh, if you like Radiohead, you gotta love the Beatles because they're just like they're the first of the of the you that know British. It's just sense. like it's that just, is a way far reach. Like, yeah. I mean, it's I don't think so. I think they're related, but I think they're yeah, clearly they're, inspired by related, by but... British bands that came before them. But I'm just saying, well, like, yeah, you don't have to like the Beatles. You don't like, have to like to anything. Like, yeah, yeah. You can like whatever you like. Yeah, you don't have to like Princess Mononoke. I incidentally, <laughs> I, just I, I like the Beatles and I like Radiohead. Yeah, I like them both. So yeah. whatever. I like the Beatles. I like the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I, like I don't have. Of... I don't feel. Question the is, which is better, Are you a Beatles man or Stones man? Uh, in the end, I'd have to go with the Beatles. You got to. Got to. You got to. Their just output is way better. The Stones uh, well, are like their output is more diverse. Exactly. That's incon- true. Inconsistent, yeah. I would say, with the Stones, and that's what brings them down. The Beatles a bit. have a great catalog. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, if you want to talk about firsts, uh, they're the first. They're the first to have like a lot of technology and a lot of technological innovations in their recordings. Like first concept album, or not quite one of the first. Well, from I read that uh, the "We Small Hours of the Morning" by Frank Sinatra was quote unquote the first concept album but But also like there's like the whole notion of a quote unquote concept album is problematic too because you know like does it have to have a story or is it just a theme i mean but if you're saying it's i mean a concept album could be i mean like an opera could be a concept album yeah because like you you could call like mozart's operas are you know their stories so yeah yeah But like, but yeah, if you 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 take like uh, Tommy by the Who, where it's like it's a clear story, but then you have um, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, where it's like, you know, the running theme is like these are all the things that color a person's view of their life and the world around them. So we should just have a music podcast. So we could. I said nineties. Yeah, let's back to that. Uh, let's see. Thank you for indulging us, listeners. But, yes. I don't know, what's, man. What's your pick, Kev? I don't my like my favorite movie of all time is seventy nine, but like Me too. Yeah, uh, right. Apocalypse Now and uh, Life, Life of Brian. Brian. Um but yeah, I but I don't know if I <laughs> wanna throw my 97. like just throw myself into the seventies. Yeah. Um just do it, man. Just go for it. Just jump. I don't know. I might say eighties. Eighties, because well, eighties. Like uh, you, you got well. You well. You got crap. You got Akira, and you've got Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, true. That's true. So that's true. good. Kira. And you've got and you've got Clue. Yeah. Um, a lot of good Scorsese in the eighties. You got King of Comedy. You got Color mm. of Money. You got Raging Bull. Yeah. 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 I didn't think about that. That's good. Raging Bull in nineteen eighty. Not a lot of great. There's good. There's those great Scorsese in the nineties. There is, but yeah, yeah, I don't know which one would be better because you got Casino, Goodfellas. Bring out the dead, Cape Fear, and the nineties rule. <laughs> then you got uh, Taxi Drivers seventy six. So yeah, yep, that's like one movie. Well, and I don't stuff, like Main but... Streets very much. Main, main Streets, like Main Streets, Main Streets, Main Streets. I hate Main Streets. 
I don't drive yeah, on like, main streets. I, I, like, I was trying for a long time to find mean streets, and when I finally found it, I'm like, all right, Scorsese's like first real movie, and then I'm like, I still haven't seen it. What? Need to go. It's okay. I think it's they're uh, right. showing it yeah. at one of the at the Manship. Mean Streets. Yeah. Oh, coming up in a couple months or something. All right. Okay. Well, I guess we should talk about the next episode, which I I'm. I what are we ta- gonna watch? I'll, I'll just talk to you. Yeah, I'll just talk watch? to you about this on the air. Go ahead. Thursday. Sure. Okay. So we're gonna go back to Thursdays. Uh, recording on Thursdays. I'm gonna try to have them out by Friday. Uh, over the weekend. And uh, yeah, so we're going to watch Soy Cuba, directed by Mikhail Kalatazov, uh, next for next episode, which will be a couple of days from now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's going to be really great. And uh, Jordan just read the synopsis, which was an examination of the decadence of the Batista, Batista Cuba, Havana. Havana. You want me to read it again? Yeah, go ahead. Wait, let me get back to it. So a summary for I am so a summary for I am Cuba is a dramatization of the decadence of Batista's Havana and the poverty that fueled the Cuban Revolution. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, from sometime in the sixties. I don't know. Nineteen sixty-four. <laughs> there you go. And okay. uh, yeah, we'll be watching that and discussing that as well as whatever else we watch in between now and then. It's and, in Spanish uh, and Russian and in- with English subtitles. This is uh, zero day for Jordan. He's out. See you guys. Signing He's off. Fairly well. So it's been it's been fun. But Godspeed and guys, uh, I have full faith in y'all to to take it where it needs to go. We will keep listening, at least. I'll try. Come on, <laughs> come on. I did listen to some of uh, nine point five. Some of some them. of I'm a bastard. <laughs> That's another thing, man. I just don't have that much time. Like I watched one film since we last met. I don't have that much to talk about. Jonathan said that uh, he wouldn't be watching that many movies either but I told him as long as he watched the uh, the deep dive film we'd be fine mm-hmm. wow well, that feels a little weird to sit around while you guys talk about 15 movies <laughs> but, I mean you know if you watch one of me you just talked you just held kept up with us I kept up even though you watch TV and stuff and it's yeah. just something you watched had a, had Jonathan's a, watching had a contribute. Too, so <laughs> he's watching what Mindhunter oh yeah so uh, so yeah we'll be back uh later on uh see you guys then see you guys later for more film yak Cuba.